Welcome to Betamax Rewind, the only podcast that has no pros, but plenty of cons. No, like this. Con! Con! Awesome. Here are two guys that are from Wisconsin, but only work in outer space. Matt and Doug. It's a little bit of a movie crossover there. A little bit. A little bit. I love it when I have an open that has a joke that she has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> you know, okay. Hi, Doug. It's Matt. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. You, you know how I've talked about uh, Hunt for an October? Yes. I'm going to start calling Jen the Hunt for an October girl. <laughs> Just female Tony. <laughs> hey, what's going on here? Is he really going to die? <laughs> Why is that happening? What's going on here? Yeah. So, hey, the water's warm. You ready to jump in? Yeah. And now, it's time for podcast housekeeping. Your week. All right. So, what was the name of the band that I said, hey, is this is that band in Back to School in the dorm room party? Oh, is it this band? Yes. Almost sounds like Kenny Loggins. No, it's Oingo Boingo, and that's Dead Man's Party. Because I was like, Dead Man something or another. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, I had said that the release date for Avenging Angel was January 18th. It was actually January 11th. I realized I didn't know the date when I was reading it, and I just guessed. <laughs> oh. All right. I, I don't think anybody's going to call us out on that one, Matt. But along those same lines, you had talked about New World Pictures. H- have we done any other New World Pictures? Mm-hmm. We have. We have oh. done one New World, New World Picture, and then we have done one that was actually distributed by New World Pictures, but was not a New World Picture. Any guess as to what the one other New World Picture we did was? Red Dawn? No. <clears throat> More recent. Oh. Um, the Andrew Dice Clay one. Ford Fairlane. No. House. Oh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Literally the week before. Oh. Okay. But uh, it had actually, it did the distribution for Heathers, and it did produce Screwballs, but not the sequel, Loose Screws, which we did. So, All right. All right. So our argument about what a realtor makes. Here in Wisconsin, the average commission on a house is 5.67. So if I list that house, and then I also sell that house, I get that 5.67%. But if I list the house and then another realtor comes in and sells it, then we split the commission. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think you're right about that. Just pretend like we didn't have a 10-minute gap in the conversation okay. there. Oh, are we recording now? Yeah, we're recording now. Okay. Yeah, we All have right. a little bit of a fuck up on my end. Um, Just a little bit. So uh, law school. Law school does indeed usually take um, three years. So Angel got through not only undergrad, but was almost done with her law degree in three years. That is one smart hooker. Yes, she is. Um, we asked, how did we bring up the movie Cars? Um, I, I think it's actually tied to something else that you have. Larry the Cable Guy? Yes. He was Mater in Cars? Yes. All right. And she- then along that same line, you were we talked about um, who, th- what the dune buggy cartoon was, right? That was speed buggy. Okay. Oh, uh, and then you asked, was that the one with the shark? 
and we couldn't remember the name of the shark, here's the name of the shark. I'll get it. It might be Jabberjaw. Well, you kids don't remember Jabberjaw, but your father very badly wants to meet Jabberjaw. <laughs> just ends there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there was more to it. No, yeah. there there is, but it's not worth it. Okay. We talked about, I think it was Billy Bass. Um, maybe that was how we got onto Larry the Cable Guy. I don't know. But I talked about the third song. Yeah. That was on there. Um, do you remember what that was offhand? Oh, man. Something about hunting and fishing and making your bitch clean the dishes. Yeah. Hunting, fishing, love <laughs> Hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the brand this country boy prays. Oh, had to go okay. out and buy that album off iTunes. I bet you did. Um, and we also talked about now again. How did we get on the Nam? You see, did I say that? Yes, I believe so. And we said, "Who's the guy that said that?" I said, "You said James Cagney." Uh-huh. I said Edward G. Robinson, who in fact is Edward G. Robinson. And then I put together a, yeah, you see, uh, super cut together. So much. I ain't going to take any chances. You're hanging around with me, see? Nah, because I'm black, see? That's right. Nah. Chicago. Me, see? I own Chicago. I'm the biggest, toughest mobster on the south side, see? Oh, I'll get you for this. Yeah, Rocky's going to rub you out, see? Get me my shoes. Jeez, what a dame. What a dame. Now you remember, this is just between us. Hey. I didn't see a thing. <laughs> you thinking just sneaking a little trashy lady and I'm not going to catch it? <laughs> <laughs> I did that for you. Uh, De Niro's character in Casino was Sam Ace Rothstein. Okay. What did I say? I said like Goldstein. Or, yes. Or, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. That's all I've got. Okay. Event Horizon cast had Jolie Richardson, not Miranda, all or right. Natasha, who skied into a tree. So... <laughs> It, we, even your alternate one was not the correct one anyway. Oh, all right. Also had uh, the father of a porn star. Yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. I said that. And Kathleen Quinlan. And she showed her boobs in the doors. Who did better? Was it done? So this week we got to decide if if volume overcomes lack of quality. (laughs) (laughs) I think quality comes first. Okay, the first one is you. I like him. I like him a lot. (laughs) I like him. Yeah? Come on. I like him a lot. (laughs) No. (laughs) I didn't. Well, I didn't do it like her. I didn't do it like the hooker. I did it like Forrest Gump. Actually, I think I did it more... Jim Carrey pretending to be Forrest Gump. Okay. The next one I actually pulled two clips for um, just because I couldn't find an act- the actual scene you were talking about. So I don't know if that interaction actually happens. All right. But it's you. <laughs> the first one is when he's talking to the guy who hires Snake. And the second one is when he dies, when brain, oh. brain kills him. Okay. I think it's the first one. Okay. Uh, the next one is also you. Nobody died here. Nobody dies on this floor unless they check with me first. 
not a very good Mrs. Seinfeld. Not really. Uh, the the next one has appeared before, but I put it into this one just because of the movie we're doing today. The doctor gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. <laughs> Fully functional. Fully functional. Okay. The next All one right. is both of us. We sure do, Johnny. <laughs> we sure do, Johnny. Let's do it for Johnny. Let's do it for Johnny. Let's do it for Johnny, man. We'll do it for Johnny. Do it for Johnny, yeah. man. Let's do it for Johnny, man. <laughs> the next one is you. Junior. Yes, Dad. Junior. Yes, sir. Okay, oh. you get the words wrong, and then uh-huh. the way you said it, you said it was junior, like it was a statement, where in the actual clip, it was more of a question. Yes. And then the last one is me. That's a fucking bullet hole. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking bullet hole. <laughs> That's it. You didn't, pull, you didn't pull my precious when I said my precious at the end oh, of the podcast? fuck. That was actually, I did have that in my notes, but it was in the sheet of paper I didn't look at. So no, I did not. Well, I'll pull because of that, because of that omission, I'm taking it. (laughs) Okay. And there has been Doug. You just got beat by Doug. Hey man, what's new now? What's fucking new now? All right. So I went on a trip, but before I went on a trip, I went to Walgreens to get, the fuck did I go to Walgreens to get? Ah, uh, something. And I and as I was walking to the checkout counter, this lady walks by with two little dogs in Walgreens. And I'm like and I do I literally did this. Doggies. <laughs> and she yanked the leash away so I couldn't pet her dogs. I'm and you know, muttered cunt under my breath. <laughs> so now I'm waiting in line with I don't know, five or six other people and I'm the only male other than a little boy who is with his grandma and this lady comes walking over with her two dogs and is sit- talking to, I believe the manager and very out loud says, and he wouldn't even fucking leave me alone. And I look at her and I'm like, Hey, watch your mouth. There's a kid here. Says the guy and- who is whispering cunt under his breath. <laughs> right. But you know, I, 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 all I heard was thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, from different people. And then I thought to myself as I walked around feeling all proud of myself with my chest puffed up, puffed out. What if that was a dude that was six foot three and had gigantic gym muscles? Would I have said that? I think I would have. Uh, you know, what's he going to do? Kick my ass in Walgreens? Yeah. People get shot. Uh, One of the things like I am, I'm a big um, flipper offer when I'm driving. Yeah. I'm not. And Jen is like, you're going to get shot. Like, yeah. We live in Hilliard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have to think about it. Like, what if that person turns out to be a new customer of mine mm-hmm. and they see my red truck pull in and go, you're the guy that flipped me off when I cut him off. Yeah. No, so, different thing. But, I, you know, calling people out is. I, I remember I was on a this is this is many, many years ago. Um, I was on a plane. This was I was on a Midwest Express plane. That's how long ago this was. Mm, mm-hmm. And were, were you eating your chocolate chip cookie? Yes, I was actually. <laughs> okay. And there was a guy who was like in the first row or the second row, and I was in the third or the fourth row. And 
this guy was just being a complete cocksucker to the flight attendant. Uh huh. And I'm like, hey man, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> and he and he just like he stared me down like, well, what are you going to do? And this was before nine eleven, so I mean, he wasn't going to make could've... a scene, but yeah. And the yeah. the stewardess actually said thank you very much for that. Okay. All right. But so there's safety in certain places. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say Walgreens is a place that I would say is safe. Yeah, I suppose. You know, it's it just it, it it. I didn't even think about it when I said it. It just happened so matter of factly that I didn't even have time to think. And then that's when I walked out of the store and got in my car. That's what made me think: Would I have done that if it was if the circumstances were different? I think I would have. Because I have said things to other people before, you know, I've said in a movie theater, hey, please be quiet. I'm trying to watch the movie. Or I remember being at an outdoor restaurant and these two college yahoos were sitting at the table next to us just, and I was there with my my son who at the time I think was five or six and they are just dropping F-bombs and cocksuckers and all that. And I said, hey guys, come on, you know, I got little ears here. I don't need to go home and have him repeat these things to his mom. And they just... Okay, and then they just continued to do it, and I and then I think I again I said something to him, um, and I don't remember what happened after that. But did the whole uh, restaurant stand up and clap? Yes, they did. <laughs> they did. Bravo, bravo, Mister Bertrand, you are a good citizen. But I mean, I hate it when people break break the social contract. We have a social contract that you just don't say those types of things in public. Especially when there's little ears around. And um, and I did see that. So, you know, we went to Florida. We did Universal. And I was in the bathroom uh, with my son. And I came out. And this guy comes out. And he's looking all frantic. And there's like this little cl- cove of lockers. And the kid comes out of the lockers and pokes his dad in the leg. And he's like, boo, daddy. And his dad's like, what the fuck, man? I was looking all over for you. <laughs> and his wife comes walking up with their kid. And he's he's just dropped F-bomb after F-bomb after F-bomb. And at that point, I'm like, I'm not getting involved in this. As much as I wanted to say, dude, you're at Universal. There's kids everywhere. He was irate and chewing out his wife like, it's not, you know, not my fault. What the fuck is he doing? Blah, 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 blah. But – Back to Universal. Um, I'm pretty sure that this will be my last theme park. Really? Because it's – dude, it was – there were so many fucking people. We are such a successful species. It, do you remember going to like Summerfest on a Friday or Saturday night 25 years ago, 30 yeah. years ago? Do sure. you remember how crowded it would be? Yeah, absolutely. That's how Universal was. And this place is 800 acres big. So just to give you a very brief overview – we get there on the first day. Uh, on a Thursday, we go right to Diagon Alley. We do the Gringotts ride. Come out. Boom. Place is packed. The whole problem with Diagon Alley is there's one ride. Everything else around in that Diagon Alley, which is impressive. It looks good. It's just not like plaster walls and shit. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's really it's, fucking cool. It's real, real masonry and everything. But it's just like, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy me. Everything. And my missus at one point said, oh, it's really sad that they took the Back to the Future and the Jaws ride down to build this. I'm like, yeah, because they knew that they could make a million dollars a day here in this little spot. Um, And then 
we had bought the express pass for Friday. So on Thursday, we just did like all the shows and all the things that you just go and see. Did you guys do the the Born Identity show? Stunt show? Uh I I I don't think so. Isn't that is that where the t- well you wouldn't know. I think that's where the T Terminator 2 3D used to be. Okay. I mean, it was really cool because it was a stage, a big stage, and you're sitting in an auditorium. When you walk in, the back wall is all like concrete. But it's a big screen, and it's super like interactive, like actors are coming out and there's shit on the screen, things are changing. Um, like buildings are moving across on the stage that are matched up to what is happening on the screen. If you know what I'm talking about, sure, yeah. Like car cars pop up out of the floor and are running, and they're having a gunfight. And and it, it, I mean, it is. It was like we were watching a Call of Duty video game live. It was phenomenal. Um, so we did all that shit on Friday or on Thursday, and it was pretty cool. We did a couple of rides. I mean, most of the rides there, I would say 70% of the rides there are the 4D rides. Mm-hmm. And then the next day we got there, um, and the first thing that we did is we went to the Hogwarts Express. And because we had the Express Pass, just got right on. But all the other um, uh, knuckle draggers had to wait in line. And sure. the, the, the wait was like 65 minutes. And we got on the train and everybody's really excited and it's a five minute train ride and you're basically just watching a TV screen that looks like a window that you're looking outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I had waited 60 minutes for this, I'd be furious because it was not that great. Well, I don't consider that a ride. I just consider that getting from one park to the other park. Yes, but imagine waiting 60 minutes, not knowing that and waiting 60 minutes for that. Yeah, whereas, I mean, I wouldn't want to wait you- 60 minutes. It was worth it to do it the one time. Yes, yes. And and obviously more so if you are a Harry Potter yes, person. Yes, and my, my oldest son is. So then we get to, I think it's Hogmeads and Hogwarts. And my oldest doesn't really like hardcore rides. So they went and got, my missus and him went and got Butterbeer. And my youngest and I went and did the, the Hogwarts Castle ride. Sure. I, am, that's, I almost uh, shit my pants on that ride last time. Yeah. <laughs> I almost threw up. Because at first, we're like, this is awesome. This is great. And then about halfway through, I'm like, ooh, my tummy's not doing so hot on here. And my youngest is like, Dad, is this almost done? This is getting scary. Um, But we couldn't do the uh, Hagrid ride because it was a 185-minute wait, and they did not accept the express pass for that ride. Yeah. No ride is worth a three-hour wait. Yeah, we waited about almost two for it. (sighs) And then the Velociraptor ride was also a three-hour wait. But we did pretty much everything else. We did every other ride that was there. Um, but it was just too much, man. It was just – it was too much. Did you ride the Hulk? Yes. That uh, was the last ride that we did. I, I can't do that roller coaster anymore. No. It hurts my fucking head. I, I oh, okay. feel like I can, I'm concussed after I get off that ride. See, that one was fine, but the other one that was in the other park that was like the Hollywood rock and roll roller coaster. Oh, I love that one. See, that's the one where my head was just banging around. I had to keep my head off of the back pad. Otherwise, it was just getting slammed back and forth into that thing. What song did you pick? Um, oh, shit. Uh, Kickstart Your Heart by Motley Crue. Yeah, that's what I always pick, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Um, 
and then the way on the way back at the airport, we're waiting in line for our or to get to get checked in, and <clears throat> an announcement comes over the PA that. Uh, attention all passengers who are flying flight whatever to Cleveland. We have oversold the flight by 42. <laughs> I mean, I understand. I understand three, four, maybe eight, but 42? How does that happen? They, they're they allowed to do that. I mean, that's, that's how. Yeah, that's crazy. And then the last thing, um, I was uh, looking in the cupboard for some potato chips and my missus was in the kitchen and I, you know, I'm, I'm looking in the pantry for some potato chips and she's like, um, there's some apples in the refrigerator if you want one of those. <laughs> she's snack shaming you? Yo, big time. Well, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on some winter weight and, uh. Winter hasn't started yet, Doug. That but that always happens this time of year where, you know, I slow way down and I'm not burning as many calories, but I'm eating the same amount of calories. Okay. So, yeah, um. I need to after this after next weekend because I have to go through a, a whole five day regimen of getting myself ready for my colonoscopy. Once I'm done with the colonoscopy, that I'm starting an exercise routine and diet change as well. I figured everything will be cleaned out of me. Everything will be cleaned out of me. Then I can start a new diet. Have you ever had a colonoscopy before? I have not. Uh, so the and i don't know how it is now cuz it's been a couple of years since i had my last one but the stuff they have you drink there's two variants there's one that's like small like a soda cans worth and then the other there's another one where you have to drink this 2 gallon jug worth yeah it's it the stuff that i've got is you mix it with water and it's drink 10 ounces and then wait 15 minutes and then drink 10 ounces and wait 15 minutes my brother-in-law was telling me that there's a pill option and they said, oh, your insurance doesn't cover it. And he goes, well, how much are the pills? And they're like, 60 bucks. And he's like, yeah, I'll take the pills. I'll yeah. pay the 60 bucks. Oh, I would absolutely pay. Because first of all, that, that stuff tastes awful. Yeah, and that's what I hear. And you're, you're supposed to drink all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically wait until I'm just shooting clear liquid out of my ass and then I stop. Yeah. But it, it'll get to a point where once you start going – you don't stop. You you never want to be more than 10, 15 steps away from a toilet because yeah. it, it comes and it comes and it comes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so, so that looking, it for you? That is, I mean, there's other shit that's happened, but nothing, nothing too significant. I mean, it's, it's been a spell. It's been what, 10 days since we've talked? Something like that. Yeah. Kennedy, Kennedy Space Center was cool. That was cool. Um, I don't know if you guys did Kennedy Space Center. When I've you been went. there. We didn't do it with the family. I've been there a couple times. All right. I I did that, and I, I've done Kennedy, and I've done Johnson. Uh, Johnson's in Texas, right? Yes, Houston. All right. All right. Houston, Texas. Yeah, I was a little disappointed the bus tour didn't take you out to the Apollo pads, which I remember when I was in fifth grade they did. Um, but maybe it's because they were prepping um a Artemis? SpaceX rocket. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. But that's that's it. That's about it. Okay. Do you know what the Parkinson's principle is? No. Okay. Parkinson's principle is that work will expand to however much time you have to do it. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have two weeks to do something and you know you have two weeks to do something, it will take you two weeks to do something. All right. We had 10 days to get ready for this podcast, more or less. Mm-hmm. I got ready. I, w- I actually was not even completely done by the time we were supposed to start. <laughs> oh, all right. 
and I actually was going to be, but I got a phone call I had to take. Yes. Uh, Halloween happened um, during the, our break. Did you go into a Hall- any Halloween parties or anything like that? No, when we were in Orlando, we were staying with my missus's aunt, and there was some like Halloween thing at a park that you know is basically just a lot of the local businesses there trying to sell you, you know, their bath fitter or their taekwondo studio or their gym, and then they were handing out candy or bracelets or what have you. So the kids, they, there was a bucket of costumes that her aunt had, and they dressed up a little bit, and we went to that. All right. So since we didn't have a podcast last Saturday. I did not have an excuse to not go to this Halloween party, which I really, really, really did not want to go to. Mm -hmm. And so we go to this Halloween party or we're getting ready for this Halloween party. And Jen asked me what I'm going to wear. I'm like, I'll figure something out. I went out. I went as a eighties high school student, you know, ripped jeans, uh, letter jacket, bandana, um, you know, so original. Yeah. Well, so, I wasn't going to put have, a lot of effort into it. But did Jen, you have a trap? Did you have a trapper keeper? I was going to put a chew, uh, tin of chew in my back pocket, but <laughs> I didn't have one. And uh, a trapper keeper. Yeah. Okay. But Jen was getting ready, and she was going through different costumes she could wear. And she has like an uhura one. She couldn't wear that. And then why she, not? It's too short. Oh. And then she has a pirate one, and couldn't wear that. And then. So she settled on she was going as Wonder Woman. And she's she tried it on. It it fit. She needed to find like a bra that she could wear under the top and stuff. And then, But she had to go downstairs and iron it. So she goes and takes the ironing board out and she's ironing it. And my 17-year-old son is there. He said, what is that? I said, no, that's my, my costume. You can't wear that. Why? You're 50. <laughs> <laughs> my son slut shamed my wife out of wearing a costume. He's like, that okay. is inappropriate for someone your age to wear. And I'm thinking if anybody would be the person that could legitimately have a problem with it, that would be me. But I don't, it was, was it revealing somewhat? It wasn't over the top. And, you know, I I would not be offended or be hurt or be threatened if people looked at Jen and said, hmm, you know, that wouldn't bother me. All right. Why are there no pictures of these costumes on Facebook? Because we, she didn't wear that. Oh, okay. Because she got slut shamed out of wearing it. By her son? Yes. So what did she end up wearing? She just put a lab coat on and went as a, a scientist. <laughs> Okay, still, why are there no pictures of these costumes on Facebook? It was literally whatever she was wearing with a white lab coat over it. Oh. So. Boo. Boo, Jen, boo. <laughs> Send you a picture of her in the pirate costume. But, um, All right. Halloween store. Do you guys have those pop-up Halloween stores? Yeah, Halloween Express or whatever they are. Halloween Town or whatever. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So there's one that's really close to my work. And I stopped over the day after Halloween. And everything was 50% off. And I said, when are you guys closing? When are you guys closing for good? Tomorrow at 7. So I figure I will stroll in there tomorrow, at the, the next day at 6 o'clock, and I will be able to get 75, 80% off stuff. So I went the next day, went in, everything was still 50% off. Hmm. So I went up to get the counter. I'm like, don't you guys close in like 45 minutes? Said, yeah. When are you going to start knocking the prices down? I was like, oh, no, it just, just goes into storage. I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> Wasted a trip. 
I could have done. So did you get all kinds of naughty nurse outfits and stuff? No, actually I got um I got an Indiana Jones hat for for 250. Uh-huh. And I got um some stuff for one of my sons who's a Harry Potter fan. I got him like Harry Potter socks. And then I got Jen a nun outfit for mm. a, a cost not a slutty nun, just a regular nun. Okay. Yeah, I d- no, I did not buy if if it had been seven fact, I probably would have stocked up on like the slutty wear, but no. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. This is I, I swear to God, this is gonna be the last time I'm gonna talk about making glasses with my laser thing. Okay. <laughs> did I did I tell you about how I got voluntold? To, yes, I did. Yes. Uh, so I was going about making them and I had two different designs. One I thought was kind of shitty and one I thought was kind of good. And this was for her sister. So I had done one of the kind of shitty one and I had done one of the kind of good one, but I was waiting for a response from her sister of which one she wanted. And and I thought, well, she's going to go with the good one. So I started mass producing the good ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She wanted the shitty one. Oh, okay. So now I'm stuck with several of the good design, right? So I figured mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to let these go to waste. These things were a buck twenty five each, so you know I got to do something with them. Uh huh. And Jen, in addition to her girls group that she's out with right now, she has uh, people that used to be our neighbors that she goes out with for dinner and drinks. And I, well, she can give them to them. So I reached out to one of them and I got everybody's names. And then I, I said, okay, how is this spelled? Because you want to make sure that it's spelled right. And one of the one of the names was spelled really fucking weird, and then the other one was um, Betsy, and I expected Betsy to be B E T S Y, correct? Because that's the correct spelling of Betsy. And then I got back. No, it's B E T S E Y. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. So then I I did all the glasses and stuff. Yeah, it's B E T S Y. And Jen said, "Well, I'm going to just throw it out then because I can't do anything with it." Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but um, I was actually in a grocery store, and I was walking back to my car, and I saw a girl probably about 25, 30 years old just bawling in her car. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, like, subtly crying. I'm talking about, like, the, the heaving, almost throwing up crying. Okay. And it made me very uncomfortable. It's like... I, you can't go up to them and say, are you okay? Obviously. Right. But it, it, it just was a little weird. And then uh, the last thing is, you ever get a, you ever feel like you're being trapped by a question? Um, From my missus. Yeah. So I, I get this text message from, from Jen the other day and it says, what's our wedding song? So immediately I'm thinking... So I send back to her, well, you should know this. It's She Goes Down by Billy Squire. (laughs) (laughs) And then a couple seconds later, I send back what our actual wedding song is. And then I, I, she knows it. How could she not know this? So I sent her, why why did you want to know this? And she said, just brain fart. I'm like, but why did you want to know it? Well, I was talking to my boss. And by the way, my boss saw the text message you sent me. You know the she you go, she goes down, thing. Mm-hmm. and he really wants to meet you. I'm like, nah, he really doesn't. No, <laughs> he, no. he really doesn't. So the the last part, which is kind of tied to that, is text messages. Is 
she was getting ready for her girl's trip and everybody had their list of different shit they needed to bring. They have their own little camp czar that, that assigns uh, things for them to bring. And she had to bring um, French onion dip. So she sent me a text, hey, do you have any unopened French onion dip? Because I will buy French onion dip for my potato chips when I'm out of apples. It's a callback. Um, <laughs> but so I, I go downstairs to make sure that I have one that's unopened. And I take it out. I open it. It's still sealed. And I set it on the counter. I'm taking a picture of it. And I'm thinking, what would Doug do in this, in this scenario? If Doug had to send a picture of something, what would Doug do? What does Doug do when he sends me pictures of things? Do I include a big black cock? Yeah, 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 you usually do. So I'm thinking, should I do that? Did you whip your cock out and put it on, rest it on top of the French onion dip? I, I strongly considered it. <laughs> I strongly considered it, but no, I did not. So okay. That's it. So. Matt and Doug are at it again. Guess that sound and you are awesome. What movie will it be? I really I highly doubt you will get it from the clip. Maybe the first reveal, for sure the second reveal. I would get it from the second reveal. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully I have these in the right order. Nothing yet. Where are we? God, what happened? not hook Mm-mm. um it's a james horner score is it yeah it, the the sound the soundtrack is very very similar to beastmaster that's how i know uh i don't know nick what happened we're all the size of boogers oh okay yeah. <laughs> i got it be quiet cork you know, it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes, very good. That was a shrink ray. Do they, um, I don't know if that's Disney or Universal. One of them had a that's, Oh, that area. was Disney. That okay. was, I think, Disney. I doubt it's there anymore. But it's, I mean, at Universal, there are certainly some rides that you know are going to be retired in the very near future, like the E.T. ride. Oh, that's a great ride. <laughs> It's not a great ride. It stinks in there. It's It's slow. And it's Spielberg must have made him sign like a 40-year contract or something to keep that ride because I don't know how that ride is still there. It's it's terrible. I mean, it's shocking how bad it is. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's not good. Um, And then you walk through like Cartoonville at Universal and it's all these like Andy Cap and Hager the Horrible and just – you're all comic Harry. strips. What? Hager. Hager, oh. you know, he's dead. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're a Viking, Harry. You're a Viking, Harry. Um, it's not bad. That's all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's let, you know what? 
time to move on. And I, you know what? I did this for you because this is one of your favorite artists. No. Okay. James Horner. Mm hmm. Podcasts, The Final Frontier. These are the shenanigans of Betamax Rewind. It's five-year mission to throw each other under the bus and question each other's manhood to boldly shed as many listeners as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, this week we are doing Star Trek II Wrath of Khan, released June 4th, 1982, on a budget of $11 million, but grossing nearly $79 million. <clears throat> Pardon me. It had a Rotten Tomato critic score of 86% and a Rotten Tomato audience score of 90%. Not too shabby. Directed by Nicholas Meyer, best known for The Day After and Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Uh, the uh, fourth best Star Trek movie. Starring William Shatner, best known for T.J. Hooker. DeForest Kelly, best known for The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. Le- Leonard Nimoy, best known for Invasion of the Body Snatchers. See, I would have said Rick- his, uh, his collection of photographs of fat, naked women. Who's that? Leonard Nimoy. I, is that a thing? Yeah, he he released a bunch of photography books where he just photographed fat naked women. <laughs> really? Yes. Interesting. Well, you know what? Everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got their freak. Um, Ricardo Montalban, best known for Battleground, which I'm sure you've never even heard of Battleground. No. Oh, great World War II movie, like made in the late 40s. I think starring, oh God, who was the guy? Who was Brooks in Shawshank Redemption? I know who it is. I can't think of his name, though. Yeah, but, you know, Van Johnson, all those guys. You'd recognize, like, a bunch of those guys from the 40s and 50s movies. Uh, other notables include the rest of the cast of the Star Trek crew, <laughs> Paul Winfield, and Kirstie Alley. Matt, did you see this in the theater? I actually did see this in the theater. I, I, I actually reached out to the person I saw this in the theater with, and I thought about getting a, like, a little feedback clip from them, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't. Um, who, I, who was it that you saw this in the theater with? I saw this in the theater with Gintis. Oh, 
at okay. Brookfield Square Theater. Ah, see, I saw it at Scotland Cinema, the cinema of sound. Yep. <laughs> with Snack sticky Canyon. floors. Yes, with the sticky floors. Did you see the first one in the theater? Yes, I did. I saw that okay. one at Scotland. All right. So I didn't know anything about Star Trek when the first one came out. I mean, I'd probably seen bits and pieces of it on TV, but all I knew was, oh, it's probably like Star Wars. I want to see it. And a guy that my dad worked with, and and they were family friends, he wanted somebody to go see Star Trek with him because his wife wouldn't go. Uh, So he took me and, you know, that came out in 80. So I would have been seven or that came out in 79, right? Uh, it was in the seventies. So yeah, 79 probably. So you'd have been yeah, six. six. Yeah. And he took me of course to like a seven o'clock show and I fell asleep. <laughs> I remember he's, he was all pissed off cause I had fallen asleep, but I mean, that movie was so boring. Yeah. It, it, it is uh, a lots of what they refer to online as starship porn. Lots of right. beauty shots of the enterprise. Well, the budget for that movie was in the 40 million million range. Right. I mean, it made a lot of money just because I think people wanted to see Star Trek on the big screen, but it's not a good movie. And from what I read, Gene Roddenberry had his fingers in the in the stew quite a bit. Sure. Yep. And kept on monkeying up the works. And on this film, they just kind of gave him uh, an executive assistant creator role where he they had to go to him to have things okayed. But in the end, they didn't have to listen to what he actually had had to say. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I saw this with my brother and his friend, our neighbor, Ed, and they made me sit two rows in front of him. <laughs> okay. But I remember seeing this in the theater and just being like blown away. Like just, wow, that I really like this movie when I saw it when I was nine years old. Yeah, I, I was absolutely blown away when, when I saw this in the theater. And this this movie is a sequel to, obviously, the Star Trek, the motion picture, but it's also a sequel to an episode of the TV series. The episode specifically was Space Seed. Yes. And I remember I went to American TV and we rented the episode of Space Seed so I could watch it after I saw this movie. All right. I watched as much of it as I could on YouTube. Um you know, there's a gazillion three-minute and four-minute clips out there, so I, I pieced together as much as I could. And I think I got a pretty good concept of they're in space, they're, uh, they find this ship, the Botany Bay, floating around in space near the um, – what's the nebula called that they're in at the end? Mutara? I think they it's near the Mutara nebula that they find the Botany Bay. Hmm. I did not know that was ever mentioned before. Yeah. That's what it said in the IMDb notes. And they go inside and they find all kinds of cryogenically frozen people. And um, they thaw out Khan first, but they don't know who he is um, until, I believe, I've got a clip for this, don't I? Yes. uh... All surfaces pitted with meteor scars. However, scanners make out a name. SS Botany Bay. Then you can check the registry. No such vessel listed. Records of that period are fragmentary, however. The mid-1990s was the era of your last so-called world war. The eugenics wars. Of course, your attempt to improve the race through selective breeding. Oh, now, wait a minute. Not our attempt, Mr. Spock. 
a group of ambitious scientists. I'm sure you know the type. Devoted to logic. Completely unemotional. Doctor, I would all be right, pleased. All right, gentlemen, as you were. Tell him today. Name? Khan Nunian Singh. From 1992 through 1996, absolute ruler of more than a quarter of your world. From Asia through the Middle East. The last of the tyrants to be overthrown. I must confess, gentlemen, I've always held a sneaking admiration for this one. He was the best of the tyrants and the most dangerous. They were Superman in a sense. Stronger, braver, certainly more ambitious, more daring. Gentlemen, this... Romanticism about a ruthless dictator is... It's smart. We humans have a streak of barbarism in us. Appalling, but there, nevertheless. There were no massacres under his rule. And as little freedom. No wars until he was attacked. You, you, you caught a little bit of the Shatner acting in that mm-hmm. clip. Yes. The, the, yeah. the pause-heavy delivery. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah. question. So, okay, go ahead. Star Trek, the original series, how Mm -hmm. familiar, I think there's 79 episodes of it. How familiar are you with Star Trek, the original series? I don't think I've ever watched an episode from beginning to end. So let's say there's 79. I think there's 79, but let's just say there's 79. Mm -hmm. Of the 79, there's probably 10 that are good. All right. Uh, There's probably about 40 that are, eh, and then there's about... 25 there's just dog shit okay <laughs> it's it's not a good show um it, it's really really not and but it is it was the only serious if you will science fiction of the time that was on american tv i remember watching uh, star trek in reruns and it was star trek and then space 1999 was like the other thing and then there was doctor who on pbs but you know in that time period there was after Star Trek went off the air. There was really nothing sci-fi wise that was actually on the air at all until Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers. Yeah, probably not until then. Yeah. Um, well, no, but you had you had Lost in Space at that time period as well. Yeah, but Lost in Space was kind of goofy. I suppose. Warning, Will Robinson. Warning. Um, but yeah, so eighty of these guys got into the Botany Bay and launched themselves into space. And 200 years later, the Enterprise finds them. They thaw out uh, Khan and then the rest of them. And they, you know, there's all kinds of interactions where they're talking to each other. And then Khan kind of <clears throat> woos. Um, let's see, what was her name? Lieutenant Marla McGivers. Okay. Who is a crew member of the ship. And she kind of helps him a little bit with, I mean, he's a, there's one scene where he is just a fucking pimp to her where she's trying to do something and he's just shutting her down and making, basically making her want him more. It's, it's hilarious. But, um, she helps with the con trying to take over the ship. And I don't really know how they defeat him. They, I didn't catch that, but she was going to get court-martialed and she decided to go with con, Mm -hmm. uh, to their exile on SETI alpha five. And apparently con was, pretty happy and um, grateful to Kirk for that opportunity. Well, it was, it was so, a paradise. It was, yes. it was a yeah. kind of a garden of Eden type planet. Yeah. So when he refers to her later on in this film of, 
you know, my wife died. That was Lieutenant Marla McGivers, who was played by she's and she's kind of a smoke show too. Um, Madeline Rue. And she did the she had the she had the very much um Sybil Shepherd moonlighting camera aspect around her in all of her shots. Oh, the Vaseline lens? Yes. Yeah, actually yeah. if if you do watch any of the original series, they do this thing, I don't know what it's called, but where Kirk's eyes are the only thing that are lit. So like there's this line where his eyes are that's in like total light and then the rest of him's in shadow. And it's ah. in every every show, and it's very very weird. But apparently, that was the style at the time, much like onions on their belt. Onions on their belt. It's a Simpson re- Simpsons reference. Oh. So, all right, okay, all right. So, movie starts. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. we saw your boobs. We saw your boobs in the movie that we saw. We saw your boobs. Kirstie Alley in Blind uh. Date, not that one. A different movie called Blind Date. Um, really? Yeah, it's not the one with Bruce Willis, it's somebody else. Who's uh, the one with Bruce Willis? Is that Kim Bassinger? Yes, I believe so. All right. And then also, when was the last time you saw this film? Uh, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Okay, last time I saw this in the theater was two years ago. All right. Last time I saw this film was probably about two months ago. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we I watched this with my oldest... And then we immediately jumped into part three and then did part four. Um, and we stopped there. Okay. Because I mean, it's, 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 that's, it's a trilogy. It you is, gotta yeah. say, you gotta say it's a total trilogy of the Star Trek films. And then you get to five, which is just throwaway garbage. And then six, which is. I don't, I don't love six as much as everybody else does. I don't love it. I like it just because they went bigger budget. Mm hmm. You know, with this film, it's su- it was such a low budget. Uh, I mean, everybody that was involved in this film, including the writer and the director, had never seen a Star Trek episode. So they had to go back and watch all the episodes, and they decided – they. I mean, they had all kinds of ideas for scripts, but they wanted to pull something from the original series and bring it to a film, and they found Khan and said, yeah, that's – this is what we want to do. Yeah, and they have retconned the fuck out of Khan, too, as well. Well, but you heard in that clip that we just listened to that they all knew who Khan was. Yeah, but... <sighs> I, I know where you're going with this. With um, Well, there's a with... thing in Strange New Worlds. That's not actually what I was talking about. Oh, all right. I was talking about in Data's creator is this guy, is the guy who is related to Khan. He's Khan's like great grandfather or something. No, I. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah. But there is the whole thing where one of Khan's relatives is a person that is on the crew of the Enterprise in I Strange New Worlds. I think she's head of security. And she's embarrassed by the fact that she's related to him. Right. Well, I mean, that would be like. Hey, yeah, my great great grandfather was Stalin. No, it was a different <laughs> Stalin. It was uh, Henry Franco. Stalin. <laughs> Henry Stalin, yes. Now starring Joseph Stalin. <laughs> it's a friend reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, are we ready to start? Go ahead and start the film. Okay. So, yeah. So, the James Horner theme, which we've heard in Krull, and I believe if you go and watch Battle Beyond the Stars, um, 
that's very similar to that as well. Okay. And he was 28 when he got the job of scoring this film. And I think he does a very fine job. Um, but you know, we get the theme, we get, we see this, the stars. And then I don't think we've seen this in any other Star Trek movie. It's just splashed across the screen in the 23rd century. No, I think that's in, I think it's in a couple of them. Is it? I think, I don't know, but so the credits, first of all, the credits for this film are long. I think the credits are like five minutes. They all are for the Star Trek movies. They show everything before you get to the action. Well, well, you know what? In um, Generations, it's the credits are over a champagne bottle twirling in space. Yeah, that breaks against the Enterprise B, I believe. Is it the B or is it the C? No, the C is the C actually pops up in an episode called Yesterday's Enterprise of the Next ah, Generation. That's the okay. one where Tasha Yar actually goes over and she um she ends up fucking uh sh- what's it shooter shooter McGavin oh um and so she goes back with the Enterprise C and they're fighting uh, Klingons I believe yeah and she dies right but right. um. Was that before or after her dad, Bing Crosby, beat the shit out of her with a bag of oranges? It was after. And it was also after she was in Playboy. All right. But uh, so the movie hasn't even started. We're still in the credits. And I'm thinking, okay, do I do I jump forward or do I just let it play out? And Jen, so spoiler alert, Jen did watch this with me. Oh, is this the first time she'd seen it? Yes. All right. Does she have much of a Star Trek background? She's seen the all the Next Generation films. All right. But... She starts in right away as, are you going to be feel let down um, if you're disappointed in this film? And I, I paused and I said, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you've watched other films that you enjoyed as a child. And then when you've went back and kind of done a deep dive, more critical eye, it hasn't lived up to the expectation. Will, will that disappoint you? Yes. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> I I went into this film knowing that I was not going to be disappointed. She got in my kitchen a little bit. <laughs> okay. Because I know there's problems. There's all kinds of problems in this film. And, it, it, and you can chalk that up to it being very low budget and just having to make do with what you've got story-wise. And there's a couple logic gaps in there. Yeah. Pl- but I just holes. knew this is this is a precious, you know. There was a movie that we watched, and now, you know, when I watch some of these movies that I haven't seen that were, you know, even without taking notes for the podcast, I'm looking at them now with more of a critical eye. And there was a movie, and we'll get into that in What You Watching. And of course, you know, I, I I was watching it with a critical eye, still fucking loved it. So... So please continue. Sorry. Okay. So uh, Kirstie Alley is which is in what we think the Enterprise um, uh, bridge. And she's kind of narrating as to what's going on. She's playing the captain. And this is the the Kobayashi Maru scenario that they have used this so many times in other Star Trek movies now. Oh, yeah. It is a – and it is – it's it's kind of entered the the cultural lexicon. There are probably people that don't e- aren't even aware of Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan or have seen it, haven't seen it, that know what a Kobayashi Maru ser- scenario refers well, to. What's the what is it in Usual Suspects? 
he said something about Kobayashi, right? The guy's name is Kobayashi. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's all made up because I think it's on the bottom of a coffee cup. Yes. All right. But I, I remember, so the, the first Star Trek, the motion picture, you have um, Kirk is basically part of Starfleet command. He is no longer in charge of the Enterprise. He goes on the Enterprise, which is being captained by Decker. Yes. And Who, who's now who's now a child rapist and in jail? <laughs> and well, he 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 liked people that were hairless. So <laughs> yes, but so Star Trek the the first one ends, and we don't know what's going to happen with Kirk as far as the Enterprise because he's no longer he he basically took over the Enterprise in in the first Star Trek for the mission that happened in that film. But going into this film not knowing what's going on, you see Spock and then you, you see this, this lady Vulcan sitting in the captain's chair. I remember thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And let's let, I mean, let's get it out of the way. She's, they don't say it in this film, but she is half Vulcan, half Romulan. Okay. Which is why there's a couple of times where she kind of loses her shit and lets her emotions get past. It's because of that. Okay. Okay. But all the other players are there. Uhuru or Uhura. Um, uh, Chekhov's not there. Chekhov's not there. No, Sulu but is there. Yes. Bones oh is my. there. Yeah. I don't count. Um, but she's in command. Go. Um, yeah. And, but, and my first question is, well, why would the crew, why would all of our principals be there in that training scenario? Um, but that comes up a little bit later. I think it's also it's it's a great it's a great sleight of hand. It's a great um, it's a great fake out mm-hmm. because we don't know that this is a simulation. We don't know this is a simulator. We don't know this is on Earth. We think this is really happening. Happening. The only thing that a wizened person would see or not see that would make them think that something is amiss is there's no establish, establish, establishing shot of the Enterprise in space. Oh, good call. Uh, all right. So th- there is a ship, the Kobayashi Maru, that is marooned, um, and she instructs Sulu, oh my, to plot an intercept, and he tries to remind her that they would be breaking treaty because the Kobayashi Maru is inside the neutral zone. And... and Spock also says, oh, and as to, she's like, I don't care, go. And as they cross the neutral zone, Spock's like, we're now in violation of treaty. And there, there's a couple of things that happen here that are kind of brilliant. Um, the way they introduce the, the image of the shields, because we've never seen this before, but mm-hmm. the whole little going yes. around so we know what that means. We're introduced to that. That's given to our kind of like knowledge base. So we know what that actually means. Because that's obviously going to become a. <laughs> you tell me where the nuclear vessels are. Yes. But, but there's a. Can you explain the, the neutral zone to me? Because if you look at the, the diagram they show on the screen, it looks like a little ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I've never really understand the neutral zone. And I don't know if that has, if it's just Klingons or if it's Romulans also. It's Romulans that, also. Okay. So it's like a, like, is it there? The three pies of space meet together and all three points make up a ball of the neutral zone. 
and nobody can go in there. Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure. But uh, it's announced that three Klingon cruisers are um, in range and are, are about ready to attack. They fire. Uh, she calls the engine room. I can't remember what Scotty says, but I think he blows up. And then we, we lose our crew one by one. Right. It, because it goes, of explosions. Yeah. Sulu's dead. Who's dead? Doctor's dead. Spock is dead. Yeah. It's one after the other. They're just dropping like flies. And mm-hmm. the reason, part of the reason why this scene was included, and especially the part with Spock, was there was a spoiler that was out there early in production that Spock yes. died. And originally, in the original script, Spock was supposed to die early on in the film. But the the whole thing with him dying here, it gives the, oh, that's what people were thinking was going on, that he died in this. It's not that he dies for real. Right. But yeah. we, we get an awesome introduction of Kirk, which I have a clip for. All right, open her up. Any suggestions, Admiral? Prayer, Mr. Savick. The Klingons don't take prisoners. Lights. Okay. The the view screen splits apart. Mm-hmm. And you see th- this silhouette of this figure that is just bathed in light. Yeah. Walking in. And it, it's such a, it's a great image. It's, it's a great visual. And then he says, prayer. The Klingons don't take prisoners. Jump forward to Star Trek (laughs) three. Yes. So. Um, They do. Yes. But uh, these are also my favorite Star Trek uniforms. Oh, I I love these. Yeah. They're so, they're so naval like. And yeah, they, they change a little bit from two to three to four, but not much, but two, these are definitely the ones I like the best. Yeah, and we've seen and we've seen Kelsey Grammer in one as well. Yes, in an episode of Next Generation. Yes, but we find out that the, these are all trainees, and then um, Kirk and Bones have an exchange. Well, Mister Savick, are you going to stay with the sinking ship? And then Savick. permission to speak candidly, sir. Granted. I don't believe this was a fair test of my command abilities. And why not? Because. There was no way to win. A no-win situation is a possibility every commander may face. Has that never occurred to you? No, sir. It is not. How we deal with death is at least as important as how we deal with life, wouldn't you say? As I indicated, Admiral, that thought had not occurred to me. Well, now you have something new to think about. Carry on. Engineering cadets, assemble on sea level. Engineering Admiral, on wouldn't it be easier to just put an experienced crew back on the ship? Galloping around the cosmos is a game for the young doctor. Now, what is that supposed to mean? This, the reason I picked some of these clips is there is a brilliance in the way that this film is structured. Mm-hmm. It spends the first 30 minutes setting up all these dominoes. And then it spends the rest of the, that movie knocking over those dominoes. Okay. I like that. I like that analogy. And, uh, as he's he's talking to her, first of all, she's getting a little uppity with him. <laughs> a little bit. Which, he's an admiral. She is a lieutenant, I think. 
uh, either a lieutenant or a commander. I think she's going to be the XO. She's going to be Spock's number two. Number one. Number one. Yes. Sorry. And But the the whole thing about um, getting old, the no-win scenario, um, it's, it's a thing for the young. These are all topics that are going to kind of cycle through. And the way that it's set up in the first 10 minutes of this film is, it's 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 really cool when you know what's gonna, how it's going to play out. Yes. Now, didn't Deanna Troy, while she was trying to go for her commander grade, they were doing something like holodeck stuff, and she kept failing until she finally figured out that she had to order Jordy to his death. Yes. And he just kind of was like, eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 actually that episode of Next Generation got a lot of flack because. Okay, all she has to do is take this one test and she's jumping over all these other people. Yeah. And and she is she's an empath. She is basically she's a the equivalent of a doctor or a psychologist. Right. She is not somebody that you want to have on, you know, on phaser duty. She's not someone that you want to be overseeing the warp core. And yes, especially <laughs> because she shows her camel toe a lot. Yeah, her and um crusher in the episode where they're doing uh yoga uh-huh that's a fairly well so this is immediately followed up by kirk and spock talking about the whole training exercise i assume you're loitering around here to learn what efficiency rating i plan to give your cadets i am understandably curious they destroyed the simulator room and you with it the kobayashi maru scenario frequently wreaks havoc with students and equipment as I recall, you took the test three times yourself. Your final solution was, shall we say, unique. Another domino. It had the virtue of never having been tried. Oh, by the way, thank you for this. I know of your fondness for antiques. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Message, Spock? None that I'm conscious of. Except, of course, happy birthday. Surely the best of times. Captain Spock, Captain Spock, space shuttle leaving in 15 minutes. Where are you off to now? The Enterprise. I must check in before your inspection. And you. Home. The way he says home, yeah. there's a, a sadness, a, a sense of defeat or admittance of, hey, I'm on, I'm, in, I'm the back nine now. And, the, and I think, and I think he's only fifty four. I think that's what I read that somebody did the the math, and from the the J.J. Abrams reboot, uh-huh. and figured it out with this, and that he's fifty four. He's turning fifty four. Well, I mean, you think about it for somebody say in the Navy, fifty four is getting close to. Well, yeah, if you've been in the Navy since you were 18, sure. you know, usually people do their 20 and then get out because they can retire with full benefits. So, yeah, that's that makes sense. But he was not 18 when he joined. No. As far as we know. In the reboot, he was not. And you know, Jen, at this point, asked me why I like this film. And why I like this film now is, assuming that that is the response, that I actually did enjoy this film on this watch, but... Why I would enjoy this film now is a little bit different than why I would have enjoyed this film in the past because, you know, you look at the film through the lens of whatever your current scenario is. And Kirk is, at this point, more or less what our age is now. Yes. 
and you know, you have uh, re- certain realizations and it, it probably doesn't impact you the same way it impacts me because you don't work with a lot of other people. I see the new people coming in and I, I see somebody doing a job I did 10, 15 years ago that is basically coming in to eventually replace me. <laughs> yeah. But now we're back at, at Kirk's apartment and though his walls are adorned with antique pistols and other things from not so much the 20th century and 21st century, but a lot of 19th century things. Sure. Yeah. Some flintlock and, pistols, I think, in that. Yes. Yeah. And McCoy comes to the door and he comes bearing gifts. What does he have? Uh, he's got um, <laughs> some Romulan ale and probably some cocaine based on how he's dressed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with this big flare collar. And uh, kind of an interesting thing, you, you've already talked a couple times about how this film had a small budget. And, you know, they did everything they could from reusing shots to um, scaling certain things down. And they did everything they could to, to that they could possibly think of to st- trim down the budget. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they did to help keep the budget under control was DeForest Kelly provided his own wardrobe. Are you serious? No. Is that a map? That's okay. All but right. I mean, he's dressed like a 70s yeah. pimp. Oh, big time. But, uh, th- you know, and from this movie also, Romulan Ale kind of becomes a running joke through the rest of the franchise. Oh, yeah. Because it, it because pops up in six. I know that. Yes, because it's illegal. Um, but he, he, as a gift, he gives. Kirk some reading glasses. And, and what does Kirk think they are at first? I'm not sure. Klingon aphrodisiacs. Oh, right. But McCoy says, you know, for somebody your age, I just uh, prescribe ret- Retinox 5. And Kirk's like, I'm allergic to Retinox 5. He, so he, that was he gets like going, into, going into this movie, I knew that he was going to be getting glasses. And I'm thinking to myself, have they not cured bad eyes yet i mean obviously they haven't cured baldness so i would not be cut out for the 23rd century <laughs> well you can get a rug sure you can get a rug but, and you can command a starship or be yeah, an but admiral look, but look at picard i mean picard you know bald as fuck they don't have a cure for that shit yet in the 23rd century it's not important i guess it's not important just like money is not important in the 23rd century. until it is you know with you know um press latinum but something that Kirk says, kind of sets bones off. Damn it, Jim, what the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured. What the hell do you want? This is not about age. And you know it. It's about you flying a goddamn computer console when you want to be out there hopping galaxies. Spare me your notions of poetry, please. We all have our assigned duties. Paul, you're a hiding. Hiding behind rules and regulations. Who am I hiding from? From yourself, Admiral. (sighs) Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? Jim, I'm your doctor, and I'm your friend. Get back your command. Get it back before you turn into part of this collection. 
before you really do grow old. There, there's different words in this film that are punctuated. In, in that clip, it was admiral. In mm-hmm. the clip before, it was home. There's individual words that just have this punctuated underlying tone and meaning to it. And Star Trek, especially uh, William Shatner, not really known as being next level acting. I think he does a fine job in this film. I was absolutely shocked at how good the acting in this film is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But once again, it's it's another thing that they're setting up. And the Admiral thing that he says is another... You tell me where the nuclear vessels are. That isn't paid off for two films. <laughs> because it's not? he gets busted oh, down oh, he gets to captain down. at the yeah. very end of Star Trek IV. Right. 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 But um, now we're back. Uh, well, I shouldn't say. We're on another ship, the USS Reliant, with Chekhov and uh, what's, what's Paul Winfield's name Terrell. in this film? Captain Jarrell? Terrell. 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 And they were coming up on SETI Alpha 6, and it's uh, a lifeless planet. And But they have found – they do a, an initial scan, and they have found some little little bit of life – one reading on one dino scanner. Yes. And it could be a transplant. It could be anything. Could be a so particle c- of preanimate matter caught in the matrix. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But they have to call Dr. Marcus, Dr. Carol Marcus. And uh, she comes on the view screen and she's basically like, if there's even a fart from a tribble on that planet, <laughs> the show is off. Nice. Nice. Just made that up on the fly. What do you think? Okay. Um, do tribbles show up in any of the Star Trek films? Not including... The J.J. Abrams ones, but the original cast films. No. Okay, that would be a... They show up in Star Trek Three. Do they? In the bar where McCoy is trying to charter a space flight, there's yeah. a bunch of people that are playing with a bunch of tribbles. Oh, okay. All right. I know they show up in a Next Generation episode. Yes. That's when they like go back in time and, and Worf is all embarrassed because the Klingons look different. Yes. Our, our people went through a different change. <laughs> we, we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> but they, they talk with, uh, with Dr. Marcus, Dr. Carol Marcus, if it's something they can transplant. And she gives them just a smidge of hope of maybe, maybe that's possible. And they completely cut her off. <laughs> yeah. But now we're on the space station, regular one. Mm-hmm. And we're introduced to her son, David. Right. And, uh, David has a hang up about Starfleet. He's nervous about them because it, he looks at Starfleet as the military. And he feels like that this Genesis program, which we don't quite know what it is yet, but it could be perverted into a dreadful weapon. And, you know, that is echoed by McCoy later. Yes. But he name drops Kirk. And at this point, I don't think he knows who no, Kirk he is. He does not. But she says something. He says something to his mom. Uh, what about that Boy Scout you used to date? And she says, uh, James Kirk or Jim Kirk was many things, but he was never a Boy Scout. Right. 
so now um, Terrell and Chekhov, they beam down to the surface of City Alpha 6. Why would you send down your two top guys? Why would you not send down a red shirt and a science officer? Uh, sake of plot. Of course it is. Of course it is. But better question that's... is why wouldn't they beam down to exactly where the life sign was? Yeah, right. There but you go. They, they beam down there in the middle of a sandstorm. There's a Y wing yeah. in the Millennium Falcon behind them. <laughs> and some giant fans and you can't hear the dialogue. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it's hard for them to see. And these spacesuits, these are repurposed from uh, the motion picture. The one where Spock goes buzzing through space and he's yes. got a little jetpack. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. But uh, the, their tri- I, all I have is tricorder must be broken. Why was their tri- why, why is it that their tricorder must be broken? I don't have that. Uh, because there can't be any life here. It's like this is the garden spot of this planet. And, mm-hmm. and so they, they walk for a while, and Terrell has found some cargo carriers. And they, they walk. I'm thinking if they can, if they can communicate with the Reliant at this point. And by the way, we didn't mention the Reliant, different type of ship. It is a Miranda class ship. It's different, but the same. It, it was originally actually supposed to be a Constitution class, which is what the Enterprise is. But they didn't want to confuse it well, during the battle. Yeah, with which ship is which. So they made mm-hmm. them different. And actually, the Reliant was actually supposed to be different than it was. But when they first showed it to Nicholas Meyer, he was looking at it upside down and he liked it that way. So they actually flipped the design. Ah, I think it, I think it works. Oh, it's, it's a cool ass ship. Yeah, it is. But they, they walk over and they force open the door to the, this cargo carrier. Um, why wouldn't they be in constant communication with the ship saying, Hey, we found some cargo carriers. We're going to investigate. I would think they would either have an open line or communication, or they would at least be giving, updates as they find stuff yeah yeah but they go in they must have some sort of readout that says the air is breathable because they immediately take off their helmets right and uh so i I think chekhov's like what happened it must have crashed where's the rest of the ship and there's just random shit around like some people were playing checkers yeah yeah and we see some books um, did you see some of the titles of the books? I'm assuming Moby Dick had to be one of Moby them. Moby Dick was there. There, there. I can't remember. I wish I would have gone back because when I saw them, I didn't think any significance of it, so I didn't bother to, to write down what they were. But two of the books, one of the books is about transitions, and the other two are revenge stories. So, um, but, and then Chekhov is looking. Well, they, they find a life sign, though. Oh, they do find a life sign, yes, the space eel. Well, it's just some sand moving around for now. Yeah, right. And then but, Chekhov goes over, and he's looking at a seatbelt. Is it a seatbelt or is it a belt buckle? Uh, I, I, I would assume it's a seatbelt. I don't know. All right. Patni Bay. Oh, no. We've got to get out of here now. Damn. What hurry. About, what, what about the Never mind. Orders? Hurry. Hurry. Chekhov, what's the matter with you? Chekhov. Come on. Where Hurry. Should have just called back to the ship and said, get us the fuck out of yeah. here. Right. Yeah, but, I, I use that phrase, oh, no, <laughs> a lot in my daily lexicon. I use the, damn. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. The so, tension is built. Sorry, go ahead. In the original episode of Space Seed, 
Chekhov has, hadn't even been introduced on the series yet. Right, because it was season one, and Chekhov wasn't introduced until season two. Right, and the the, the story goes that he was on the engine in the working in the engineering, and Khan's rampage started off in engineering. Right. So that's that's how he knows who Khan is, and that's how Khan knows who he is. But you you hear through these clips, you hear little snippets of the music. The music in this film, much like a Star Wars film, is part of the reason why this film works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we definitely, that comes in, in, the, in their first space battle. That's definitely evident. Um, and the tension in that scene is... Oh, yeah. It's in, incredible. Thick. I have, um, in, in my lifetime, I have bought the orchestral or non-singy... like singy yeah soundtracks or whatever you want to call them for star Wars films, Halloween two and this film. All right. Those are the only ones, but they, they go outside and the Knights of Ren are there. (laughs) Right. It's a tribe of people whose robes are not blowing around in the wind. (laughs) Must have like some, some magnetic weights at the bottom to keep them still. But on the Reliant, they're trying to raise Terrell and they can't. And, uh, I'm assuming his XO says to give them a little more time. And we're, we're back inside the cargo carriers and Khan has some cool gloves and he's taking them off. He just takes one off. Oh, it takes one off. And then. Well, he could, because he, the other one is, is his jerk hand and he, that glove is filled with Vaseline to keep his hands soft. Okay. But he, he, he's also wearing a turban. Is that offensive or is it because of the sand? It, it's okay. Yeah. It's and I wouldn't call it a turban. It's like a helmet made of a turban. <laughs> yeah, but he, he takes it off and he re- reveals his face and he says this: "Smiles, everyone, smiles." <laughs> there we go, Mister Work. Okay, waiting for it. Actually, um, it, it's this, and this is really, really fucking. This long. is really long. So while this is playing, I'm going to get a drink. Okay. I don't know you. It's him talking to Terrell. But you... I never forget a face. Mr... Chango. The music here just works. I never thought to see your face again. Chekhov, who is this man? Criminal captain. A product of late 20th century genetic engineering. What do you want with us? Sir, I demand to be... You are in a position to demand nothing, sir. I, on the other hand, am in a position to grant nothing. What you see is all that remains of the ship's company and crew of the Botany Bay. My room here, 15 years ago, by Captain James D. Kirk. This is you men and women, you have a catch and cap. <laughs> Save your strength, Captain. 
These people had sworn to live and die at my command 200 years before you were born. Do you mean he never told you the tale? To amuse your captain? No. Never told you how the Enterprise picked up the Botany Bay lost in space from the year 1996. Myself and the ship's company in cryogenic freeze. I've never even met Admiral Kirk. Admiral. Admiral. Never told you how Admiral Kirk sent 70 of us into exile on this barren sand heap with only the contents of this cargo base to sustain us. You lie! And City Alpha 5, there was life! A fair chance! This is City Alpha 5! It's the first time he's lost his temper. SETI Alpha 6 exploded six months after we were left here. The shock shifted the orbit of this planet and everything was laid waste. Admiral Kirk never bothered to check on our progress. Why would he? It was only the fact of my genetically engineered intellect that allowed us to survive. Earth. I was a prince. Two hundred years ago, I was a prince with power over millions. Captain Kirk was your host. He repaid his hospitality by trying to steal his ship and murder him. didn't expect to find me. You thought this was SETI Alpha 6? <sighs> it's, it's Khan as a, a character throughout most of the film has this calm demeanor. Mm-hmm. And in that clip, I don't know if you were back for it or not, but the only time he ever kind of oh, lost. This is, this is SETI Alpha 5. But other than that, and throughout the entire film, there are certain points where Khan kind of loses his center. He 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 gets a little bit off balance, and when he is in that that Zen space, he is so smart, and he's you know he's thinking steps ahead. It's when he gets angry, he's when he lets his um his passions be his undoing or whatever the fuck it is. And even, I, I said before how Bone said Admiral in the way that he said it. The way that Khan says Admiral when he finds out that Kirk is now an Admiral, he says it three times. Mm-hmm. And it's it's digging at him that as he has been sitting here in not just isolation, but he's Shitsville. been- Yeah. He's been in Shitsville for 15 years and he's thought- Nothing, uh, nothing but Nothing but, but yeah. revenge on- on Kirk. Revengeance? You know who, what? <laughs> you, said re- said, you said revengeance. Did I? Revengeance. It's a word. You can look it up. Okay. <laughs> um, it's right next to refrigerator in the Yes. So who won Best Supporting Actor 
for 1982? Do you know? Oh, uh, was it? Um, Come uh, on, we've done the movie. Officer and a gentleman. There you go. Uh, but also nominated that year. So Louis Gossett Jr. won. Yeah. Uh, Charles Durning, John Lithgow, James Mason, and Robert Preston. It was a travesty that Ricardo Montalban did not even receive a, a nomination because you wouldn't get. I went through all of the the nominations for that year. There was nothing for Star Trek II. Nothing with special effects. Nothing with score. Nothing. They got fucked. Well, part of it was because E.T. got all the special effects. Sure. You know. John Williams probably won one of his gajillion Oscars for that. Uh, What was the film that won that? I think it was Gandhi. Oh, for best picture? Because that was uh, Spielberg's the first time because he lost a bunch of times for best picture and best director. Yeah. Have you seen Gandhi? I'm sure you have. I have. It's a slog. I saw it in um, class. I saw it in, I think... uh, Far Eastern Studies class or whatever the fuck it was called. All right. I saw it on HBO. I watched it with my mom when it came out on HBO. Yeah, see, so. they could not make that film today the way they you did. You don't think so? No, because they can't have a non-Indian mm. guy playing Gandhi. Yeah. That, would, yes. that would cause some issues. Yeah, I suppose. But I, I talked about it before. The music here tells a story. As as you listen to the music, it is... It is weaving in and out of the dialogue, and it's giving you cues that if you aren't cat- capturing all the subtext that's going on in the dialogue, it's it's all there. It's mm-hmm. all there. But now Khan is – he's done with his little speech, and he walks over to something. What does he walk over to? Uh, it's a big glass jar of cookies. Terrarium? <laughs> yes, it's a terrarium. And he asks, I don't know if this is in your clip or not, but he asks, like, why are you here? Yes. And and that's in your clip? I think so, yeah. All right. Because I asked you, I said, because you got a lot of clips here. I, I, I basically printed them all so I could keep track. And I and I, I think I said I, I left sent you a couple. A I left you a couple. I, you did. You did. But I think I sent you a text because I'm listening, you know, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, okay, he's got this one. He's got this one. And I think I sent you a text said, you know, make sure these clips, you take these clips all the way home. Don't don't buddy fuck me here. Yeah, well, he said, you know, you weren't expecting to find me. Why are you here? Yeah. But no, but he says again, why are you here? And Chekhov refuses to answer him. And he grabs him by the little handle. What? Why is there a handle on the front of a spacesuit like that? Well, because because they somebody from the from Starfleet showed up to the gas station where Steve Martin was working in the jerk. And the spacesuit kept on falling off. So he super glued that little handle there. Oh God! Um, the Optigrab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. But he lifts him up. Yes, and then, then your clip. No, 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 no. It, it. He says he walks over and he's he says he's gonna he he has this little terrarium. It's SETI Alpha Five's only indigenous remaining life form, and it's this. Oh, so see that's not in your clip. I said. Take the clip all the way home, and you did not. Well, it's long enough as it is. Um, so disappointing. It's a scary little bastard, but... Uh-huh. It's a space eel. And Khan is actually kind of mean <laughs> to it, because he has this little spiky thing, and he stabs it <laughs> when he he I, grabs it. Yeah, I think they're four snips. And he... the Apparently, the, the, the babies are gestated in the back of the shell, yeah. Of this creature. And he's using a, 
what do you call it? Forceps? That's a forceps, yes. He's pulling them out, uh, not all at once, and they look like little leeches. Mm-hmm. And he says they killed much of his crew, but not instantly and not all at once. And he talks about what they actually do. You see, their young enter through the ears and wrap themselves around the cerebral cortex. This has the effect of rendering the victim extremely susceptible to uh, suggestion. Later, as they grow, follows madness and death. And Terrell and Chekhov are, are forced to their knees. Mm-hmm. And if it was Sulu, it would go differently. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, uh, Khan says, these are pets, of course, not quite domesticated. And then what does he do with the two little things that he has? Uh, he puts one in each helmet, and then they place the helmets back over their heads. And it they show it kind of inchworming its way across their face. Yeah. And then into their ears and then they scream and once again he asks why are you here and then the other question he asks what is the other question he asks where can i find kirk where can i find james kirk yes yeah but now we're back um in space and there is a shuttle that is approaching space dock and this is this is a repurposed scene from the motion picture the motion yeah. picture Yes, and enterprises in uh, the um, in space dock and Kirk. I think it's Kirk McCoy, Sulu, Uhura, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. Yes, and uh, Kirk is talking about how he hates inspections. Sulu loves them, of course he does. <laughs> Any chance to go aboard the Enterprise? <laughs> yes. And how long is it supposed to be? Three weeks. Can't he? He can't be. He's glad to be at the helm for the next three weeks. Yeah, Kirk but, is glad he's there because he doesn't think these kids can steer. And Jen is asking all these questions. Why are they going to the Enterprise? How long is this cruise going to be? <laughs> Hunt for Red October, Jen. Yes, there we go. But I love the naval protocol that they've got with the, the, the whistle. What's it called? The whistle? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's, I, th- it actually was in the notes, and I didn't write it down because I figured you'd know it. It's like Wayne something? I'm not sure. But yeah, the, the whistle announcing... The, the captains coming on board and the uniforms and everything. And this is the first time that we see the engineer uniforms. Yes, the white Michelin Man uniforms. Right. I love them. I don't think we ever see that again in Star Trek. I don't think so. I, I can't think of any time when we would have. Because mm-hmm. in Star Trek Three, Scotty's just on the bridge the whole time. He says, fuck engineering. I'm going to stay up here. Right. But we see Scotty. This is the first time that we see Scotty in this movie, and he basically announces that he had the clap from his shore leave. Well, yeah, he, he's like, uh, I had a wee bout, but Dr. McCoy pulled me through. A wee bout of what? <laughs> shore leave. Shore leave. Yeah, had the clap. Um, and and then, then we see the engineer's mate. Yeah, who, and I'm sure you know this, but yes. this was supposed to be a lot more than it ended up being. Mm-hmm. And I explained yeah. this to Jen, and this is probably why she asked questions, because I will stop and pause. This guy is actually <laughs> Scotty's nephew, which without knowing that he's Scotty's nephew, some of the stuff that happens in this film going forward does not make sense. Right. But there's actually an extended scene, which I don't have here, where 
Spock or Spock Kirk is talking to Scotty's nephew, who's an engineering ensign, probably uh, engineering and engineers mate. And he yeah, he kind of snaps back at Kirk a little bit, doesn't he? Well, he, he says something. Kirk says something about how he used to get shit in the mess hall about how the Enterprise was was a death trap. And the nephew says it's like the best ship in the fleet. And if they can't see it, they're as blind as a Tiberian bat. Yeah, something like that. And uh, yes. but they say that they're going to start the inspection in the engine room, and everybody leaves except for Spock and and Savick. And we get, mm-hmm. I think, the only instance of Vulcan being spoken in this film at all. Right, right. And she says um, he's so human, or he he's not what she expected. He's right. so human. And Spock says nobody's perfect. Which Spock is half human. Yes. But he has embraced his Vulcan side more than his his human side. Right. And now we're in engineering, and Kirk is obviously, I don't know if it's out of his depth, but he is not, he's not an inspector guy. (laughs) No, he's going through the motions with the white hanky to see if there's any dust uh, on anything. And uh, he, I think he asks... Scotty. uh, Scotty, if the cadets are capable of the training crews. Minor training crews. And and then I think it's, uh, I think it's Bowen says... Uh, Kirk gets into it's not even a turbo lift it it's a kind of a little, shit elevator that goes up one floor <laughs> right and yeah. bone says what about the rest of the inspection and uh Kirk just mouths later later yeah and this is where we get lots of beauty shots of the enterprise mm-hmm. with the music the swell of music as the lights are are turned on um on, dun, on dun, the enterprise. Dun. Yes. yeah Kirk and McCoy enter the bridge. Uh, Spock asks Savick if she, if she has ever piloted out of space dock. Well, just ho- hold on one second. So as they walk onto the bridge, we hear the Enterprise is clear for departure. But Kirk has this kind of I'm home moment mm-hmm. as he's on the bridge. And Bones is on the bridge as well. Shouldn't he be, uh, I don't know, sick bay checking out right. shit there? Yeah. And that's where Perhaps. Spock is in the captain's chair. And Spock makes a conscious decision. And this is not a Vulcan decision. This is a very human decision. He decides to fuck with Kirk. <laughs> a little bit. And that's when he asks if Savick has ever piloted out of space dock, which, if you think about it, she's not really doing anything. No, no. But Spock says, for everything, there is a first time. Kirk is nervous. Basically, all she's got to do is take us out, Mr. Sulu. Yeah. <laughs> and Sulu knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, but Kirk's expression is he's like shitting a brick and I know. Bones offers him a tranquilizer. And right. I don't I don't know if this is a if this is a gaff or if this is just something that isn't warmed up yet, but the deflector dish for some reason is not blue yet as the ship is moving out of space dock and then it turns blue in the next shot. Huh. All right. But yeah, so immediately after this, um Bones makes an announcement that basically all all the male crew members are going to be getting a doctor examination. Okay. Time for my checkup bones. Let's make this fast. Sorry, Jim. Starfleet just handed me the orders. I'm to give every male crew member a prostate exam. Fine. Which one of these gizmos do I blow? I have to insert my finger into your rectum and examine the prostate gland. This... Isn't fair. It's routine, Jim. I was talking about your walnut-sized knuckles. I'm going to get hollowed out. Are you ready, Jim? Just go, Bones. Boldly, go. Where no man has gone before. Not while I was sober. Ah! 
Don't be nervous, Spock. Nervous, Doctor? Vulcans are not emotional. Good God, do you trim your fingernails? Fuck it! Hi, Mommy. If you can see me from heaven, shut your eyes. I'll be with you soon. Damn it, Scotty. It's a rectal examination, not an execution. Aye, it is, Bones. A butt execution. <laughs> Who's around to be my boss, Scotty? If you feel any discomfort, this ain't my first rodeo, Doc. Mount up. <laughs> Bush League. <laughs> Okay, so even like the supplementary clips are a minute long on this podcast. Yes, yes, they are. See, I thought that that was going to be where you were asking for your leaving space doc, doc clip. Oh. Or just what move leaving? past it. Just move past it. Okay, so they're they're moving forward. Oh, and- oh, wait a second. Wait, do I have a clip here? Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. Um, because, yeah, so, Sulu says that they are free and clear to navigate. Um, and then, yes, now they're leaving space dock. We are free and clear to navigate. Course heading, Captain? Captain's discretion. Mr. Sulu, you may indulge yourself. I <laughs> Oh, my. Yep. Yep, you got a little clever on your clip. I'm, I'm going to do that uh-huh. later in the podcast, so... <laughs> But now we go over to uh, Space Lab Regular One. Regular One. And it took me forever. It was like, is it Regular One or Regular One? No, it's Regular One. Yes, I, I knew that. And Savic is another one where it's like, is it S-A? Is it S-A-A? Is it S-A-V-V? Yeah. No, it's S-A-A-V-I-K. K. Yeah. But uh, they're loading up the control device for, or the control panel for the Genesis device. And there's a call coming in for Reliant. And... It's a Chekhov on a FaceTime call. Mm-hmm. And he says that they're en route, and Dr. Marcus doesn't understand why. But apparently SETI Alpha 6 checked out. Yes. And she's still not satisfied with that answer. Who gave those orders? Well. Well, no, he says no- we have new orders. We're, we're to take it over for immediate testing. Mm-hmm. And then she says, you know, who gave the order? Under whose authority? And there, there's just this pause, and then he says, Admiral James T. Kirk. Yes. I ain't giving you shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Obviously, they're being controlled by Khan, but they don't know that. Um, and they're going to go and try, they're going to con- try and contact Kirk. And Chekhov's like, okay, he's got this big, stupid grin on his face. And then they they end the call, and... Chekhov turns to Khan. He says, you realize they're going to try to confirm the order. And Khan smiles. He's setting up the pieces on oh, his chessboard. Big time. Yeah. But now we're at, um, getting in an elevator. Kirk is getting in an elevator and Savick has him hold it. And she's in workout gear. Would that be, would that be Starflight work, Starfleet workout gear that she's wearing? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Hold, please. Thank you, sir. Lieutenant, are you wearing your hair differently? It's still regulation, Admiral. Mm -hmm. May I speak, sir? Self-expression doesn't seem to be one of your problems. You're bothered by your performance on the Kobayashi Maru. 
I failed to resolve the situation. There's no correct resolution. It's a test of character. May I ask how you dealt with the test? You may ask. That's a little joke. Humor. It is a difficult concept. Okay, the clip isn't over, but usually by this point in a conversation with somebody, Kirk is knuckle deep in her. <laughs> yeah. It is not logical. We learn by doing. Who's been holding up the damn elevator? Thank you, sir. She changed your hairstyle? I hadn't noticed. Wonder what stuff that Romulan had, you? Hmm. Admiral Kirk. Kirk here. I have an urgent comm pick from Space Lab Regular One for you, sir. Dr. Carol Marcus. I'll take it to my quarters, Uhura. Aye, sir. Never rains, but it pours. As a physician, you of all people should appreciate the dangers of reopening old wounds. This is, you know, two friends kind of like fucking with each other. It's like, right. Yeah, your old chick is calling you up. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. Ha 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 ha. But yes. When Kirk is talking about uh, the Kobayashi Maru thing, he is talking very broad terms, but he's saying that there is no correct solution to the scenario. Right, because it's a test of character. One of the things I have to do for my job is I have to interview people. You know, are, do we want to hire this person? So like I do what's called a tech out, a tech screen, and I will walk them through different scenarios and ask them how they do different things and what their processes are, blah, blah, blah. You know, transponsing, it's a complicated mm-hmm. thing. It is. But I have one particular question that I ask in every interview I do. And then depending on how they answer the question, after they're done answering, I say, just so you know, there is no right answer to that question. There are wrong answers to that question, but there are no right answers to that question. Okay, what's the question? Um, you have a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. Um, your three legs are cost, time, and quality. Which is the most important, which is the least important, and why? Cost, quality, time, quality, and time. And time. What's the least important? What's the most important? Yes. And why? They're all important. You can't, you can't, you, I don't think you can put a quantitative measure on one because if you, if you lower cost, your quality goes down. Mm-hmm. If you lower, if you lower your time, your, your cost goes down, but also your quality goes down. Mm-hmm. The, so the key each, is it's a three-legged stool. They're dependent on each other. Right. And it's a matter of balance. Okay. So I kind of had it right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you, you didn't get it wrong because right. some people will say, well, cost is the most important thing. It's like, okay, you're part of the business. Um, quality is the most important thing. Okay, you're part of the QA space. It, it's, it's, a, it's one of those things where you don't want you're you're looking for the thought process. You're not looking for necessarily the answer. You're looking for how they think through the answer. Okay. But Bones and uh, Kirk are both hungover, and they they get uh, Kirk gets to a um, an iPad somewhere, and he's talking to Carol. And much like us earlier, there's a some communication <laughs> issue. Yeah. Why are you taking Genesis from us, Genesis? What are you talking about? 
Who's taking Genesis? She can She's see him, pissed. but she can't hear. Um, yeah. Did you give the order on whose authority? No authority, and it breaks up, and then it's like, Uhura, transmission what's is, going on? <laughs> transmission, transmission is being jammed at the source. Uhura burps like that as well. And then he but, says, uh, contact Starfleet Command, and mm-hmm. at at the space station at Regula, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Once again, David is reiterating the fact that he doesn't trust the military. And w- would you consider, I mean, Starfleet, Starfleet kind of is military, but not totally? Right, right. And he, I mean, somebody makes the comment that they are all alone here and that scientists have always been pawns of the military. And they wait until people but, went on vacation. Yeah, right. And it's then, a space but, Thanksgiving. But Carol says, Starfleet has kept the peace for the last 100 years. And then they ask, well, what about Reliant? She's on her way. Yeah. And then uh, Kirk goes into uh, Spock's chambers. <laughs> he in, he intro- inter- introduces, he interrupts a meditate jerk. <laughs> right. They, then he's like, hey, uh, we got a problem. Yeah, we have to go to regular one. And he Kirk asks how he, the trainees will do. And Spock says, like everybody, to their ability. And then this conversation takes place. The ship is yours. No, that won't be necessary. Just get me to regular one. As a teacher on a training mission, I am content to command the Enterprise. If we are to go on actual duty, it is clear that the senior officer on board must assume command. It may be nothing. Garbled communications. You take the ship. Jim, you proceed from a false assumption. I am a Vulcan. I have no ego to bruise. You're about to remind me that logic alone dictates your actions? I would not remind you of that which you know so well. If I may be so bold, it was a mistake for you to accept promotion. Commanding a starship is your first best destiny. Anything else is a waste of material. I would not presume to debate you. That is wise. In any case, were I to invoke logic, logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one. Another domino. Mm-hmm. So is Spock talking to, or Kirk talking to Spock, kind of how you feel when you're talking to me? Yes. Yeah, yes. With your superior intellect. <laughs> Oh, well, that's talking to Khan, but... That's talking to Khan, yes. You are my superior officer. You are also my friend. I have been and always shall be yours. Another domino? Mm-hmm. Stop energizers. Stop energizers. Look on speakers. An emergency situation has arisen. By order of Starfleet Command, as of now, 1,800 hours. I'm assuming command of this vessel... Duty officer so note in the ship's log. Plot a new course for Space Laboratory Regular One. Engine room. Mr. Scott. Aye, sir. We'll be going to warp speed. Aye, sir. Course plotted for Regular One, Ed. Engage warp engines. Prepare for warp speed. Ready, sir. I know that none of you were expecting this. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to grow up a little bit sooner than you expected. So much for the little trading crews. 
So they're, they, they've been fucking around on impulse power for a couple days. So they're not even to the moon yet. <laughs> right. Maybe, you know what? Maybe their they're, impulse goes pretty fast. They're probably past Mars. But yeah, there's but, not another, there's, but there's not another ship that's closer th- to regular one. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of those plot holes. But right, this whole thing is, in my notes, it says, God damn, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Reliant is on a course to intercept Enterprise. And what what is Khan's XO, Khan's number one's name? Uh, Yokim. Joachim? Joachim. Yakim, something like that. Yokim, yeah. But he has a a point to make. We're all with you, sir. But consider this: we are free. We have a ship and the means to go where we will. We have escaped permanent exile on SETI Alpha Five. You have proved your superior intellect and defeated the plans of Admiral Kirk. You do not need to defeat him again. He tasks me. Yeah. He tasks me, and I shall have him. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia, round the Antares maelstrom, round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Yeah, that, that's I, I had some I, fun with that, some clips that, too. Yeah, that's that's when um, I, uh, I I gave you a task of doing your your movie bed to a specific song. <laughs> what well, is that? What that was from? That's what that was from. Yes, I can't remember what movie it was or what movie bed, what song it was, but I I know the first. It wasn't the first one I did the movie bed to, and it, it's funny because I'm I'm walking around, I'm walking the dog, which I know I never talk about that, but I'm walking the dog, and I'm listening to music, and every now and then a song will come on, and I'm like, okay, is this the the actual song, or is this me <laughs> <laughs> singing to it, ruining this song, and uh-huh. sure butchering shit. it, yeah. completely. Yes, but now they're trying to call regular one, and there's no response, but they're no longer being jammed. And Spock's like, hey, man, the fuck is this Genesis thing that we're talking about anyway? Well, b- before that, it says there's two possibilities why there's no response. They're either unable to respond or unwilling. Right. And they're 12 hours away, away from there at warp five. But Spock, you're right, says, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man, the fuck is this Genesis thing? I want to be read in. So the three convene, McCoy, Spock, and Kirk, uh, into, you know, a little a porn booth. Yeah, well, and they give, uh, they give, Kirk gives Savick the con, and then he he tells uh, Uhura to tell Bones to meet him in his quarters, and we have the first ever long-form use of CGI in a movie. Mm-hmm. But before that, they have uh, Identify for retina scan, and yeah. he unlocks his iPhone. And then just sits there with a dumb look on his face. <laughs> yeah, there's some odd cuts in this uh-huh. film. Yeah. But there's this huge explanation of Genesis dump here. But, but Spock's like, Dr. Carol Marcus. And Kirk's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Genesis is a thing that will create life from a dead planet. Stage two is supposed to be underground. And stage three is supposed to be on a planetary basis. And they introduce the idea of the Genesis device, which is a rocket. And here's where the CGI comes in place. And they actually reuse this whole sequence in the search for Spock. 
mm-hmm. but they had Shatner redo the dialogue so they didn't have to pay um BB Marcus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which which is a complete buddy fuck move. <laughs> oh, totally. Like they could even cut her a check for like 25 grand. It, and I it probably wasn't even that much. Mhm. Uh but you know, it has a potential sh- solution for food shortages and housing and Spock asks, have they proceeded with the experiments? And then Bones, on principle, objects to Genesis. Well, Spock says... Sorry. He goes, it literally is Genesis. And now Spock, yes, has his objections. Bones. Bones, yes. Shit. What the fuck was that? Uh, It it, it was the wrong clip. No. Dear Lord, do you think we're intelligent enough to... Suppose, what if this thing we use where life already exists? It would destroy such life in favor of its new matrix. Its new matrix? Do you have any idea what you're saying? I was not attempting to evaluate its moral implications, Doctor. As a matter of cosmic history, it has always been easier to destroy than to create. Not anymore. Now we can do both at the same time. According to myth, the Earth was created in six days. Now, watch out. Here comes Genesis. We'll do it for you in six minutes. Really, Dr. McCoy, you must learn to govern your passions. They will be your undoing. Logic dictates. My God, the man's talking about logic. We're talking about universal Armageddon. (laughs) We've referenced this film a lot. Oh, sure we have. Yes. But, uh... Now we're on the bridge of the Reliant. Well, at at the very end of that clip, who mm-hmm. kind of pipes in, hey, there's a ship approaching. Who is it? It's, it's one of ours. It's Reliant. And now we're on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And there's no communication. And I think it's Kirk says to try the emergency channels. And this is where the music is. It's a big nothing for, for the people on the bridge of the Enterprise because they don't know what's happening. And right. we do, but this music is very it, – it, the tension is building. And when, and so Khan's got a theme, but the theme is only like five seconds long. It's a – you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And it cut, it keeps cutting back and forth. Uh, just the, And the tension is building and building and building. And Savick tries to quote General Order 12 <laughs> and Spock's like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Well, okay, who's right here? Because Savick is right. Yeah, and, of course and, she is. And, and honestly, if if Kirk had listened to her, things might have turned out a little bit better than they did. But at the same yes. time, he's an admiral. This is James T. motherfucking Kirk. Right. <laughs> he's been around the block. Yeah. But still. And uh, Kirk asks if it's possible their comm systems has failed. And on the bridge of the Reliant, Khan says to let them eat static. And he says something about how um, they're, they're, they haven't raised their shields yet. And then Khan says this. They're still running with shields down. Of course. We are one big happy fleet. Ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? Very cold in space. There's your sting right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right after that, I have Matt clip and then 
how would he know that old Klingon proverb? But then in watching the clips, he was reading after, through the the um the database on the Enterprise when yes. when he was on board it in yeah, space he, seed. Yeah. I mean, he's like one of those guys that can he's like speed reader, speed reader, speed reader and then has a photographic <laughs> memory. Yeah. The speed buggy, but <laughs> How did why did you not do the speed buggy um in the um who does it better? Because it was already that one? I, I might have just skipped by it. It was on the list. Okay. <laughs> Damn good, man. Damn good. Um but Kirk's like, this is damn peculiar. Yellow alert. What's the difference between yellow alert and red alert? Obviously, red alert is shields up. But what's the point of yellow alert? It energizes defense fields, which is like if they throw rocks at the ship. Oh. I mean, it doesn't do a whole hell of a lot. No. No. Because I think this is the only film that we see yellow alert. And, okay. I, I don't understand this. Uhura says she has a voice message about what is wrong. Why wouldn't she just put that on speakers if she has a voice message? What do you mean she has a voice message? She says, I have a voice message. Their um, something coil is oh. overloaded, which is interrupting their comm system. If she has a voice message, why wouldn't she put that on, like, the speakers? Maybe she's – did she say voice? But Maybe they just typed it out. I don't. They sent a text. I think it says voice message. All right. Okay. And then Spock but. scans into, like, the mm. little – porn viewer thing he has at his station <laughs> right so there are uh, whatever coil readouts are normal right but then reliant, reliant raises a shield raises their shields and they st- they're locking phasers and it's this tense back and forth back and forth back and forth and kirk's like raise shields but it's too late some star trek acting here with uh the the uh huh, <laughs> they're going back and forth as they get shot and mm-hmm. Kirk is saying get those shields up and engineering is just a shit show everybody's kind of running around with their hair on fire right and, and Scotty's trying to get people to stay at their posts and they're grabbing these tubes like, like little oxygen masks so they can go out in the cave in the asteroid field yes there you go and Sulu's trying to raise the shields uh, Scotty's having problems with the power try auxiliary and damage what? report and just hanging on sir but what is the damage report that Spock gives to Kirk? They knew exactly where to hit us. Who? I don't know. But we can't escape on auxiliary power. I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I don't know. Uh, we can't escape on auxiliary power, and there's a photon torpedo coming in. And basically, at this point, they got nothing left. Right. Nothing left but the battery. And yeah. Scotty says they can have auxiliary power in a few minutes, and Kirk is kind of like, we don't have a few minutes. Yeah, they're gonna they're fucking us up. But then Uhura says, sir, the commander of the Reliant is signaling us. He wants to discuss terms of our surrender. And Kirk is like, the fuck? <laughs> the fuck's going on here? And, uh, and yeah, and then finally, my, my actual, my first clip from the movie, actually second clip. You still remember, Admiral. I cannot help but be touched. I, of course, remember you. What is the meaning of this attack? 
Where is the crew of the Reliant? Surely I have made my meaning plain. I mean to avenge myself upon you, Admiral. I've deprived your ship of power, and when I swing around, I mean to deprive you of your life. But I wanted you to know first who it was who had beaten you. Come. If it's me you want, I'll have myself beamed aboard. Spare my crew. I make you a counter-proposal. I'll agree to your terms if, if, in addition to yourself, you hand over to me all data and material regarding the project called Genesis. Genesis? What's that? Don't insult my intelligence, Kirk. Give me some time to recall the data on our computers. I give two minutes for you and your gallant crew. <laughs> I told you, I had a little fun with some of the clips here. Yeah, it's, but, he, but Khan gives him 60 seconds. He answers a little too quick. I want Genesis. Genesis, what's that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, I wasn't jerking off. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so Kirk says to clear the bridge, mm-hmm. and Kirk and Spock confer. And he says, uh, punch up the data charts on Reliance Command. But he also, but he says, at least we know he doesn't have, have Genesis. Right. So that's good. That's no, a good thing. Okay, okay. so Terrell, I'm, I'm assuming one of the things that does make sense is since Kirk is an admiral, he's going to have security clearance of a certain level. And Spock had no idea what Genesis was, and he's a captain. But he's a captain, kind of. He's kind of a... You know, like a captain of babysitters, if you will. He's mm-hmm. not really a captain for real because he's not out in the field doing shit. He's like a captain at a base. Would Terrell have access to Genesis? No. Well, yeah, because they're doing the research for it. You'd think, you'd think that yeah. anything that Kirk would have... Anyway, that's one of those things that I, I question a little bit, but... So, Kirk has an idea. What is he going to use? Well, for, he puts his glasses on first. The, the glasses that Bones gave him. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. But no, they're going to... Um, the prefix code for the Reliance. Yeah, Spock actually asks the prefix code, and Kirk says, that's all we got. And yeah. Khan is getting impatient. He's, yeah, like, he's, he's, like, he's like, hey, hey, you still there? He's like, Khan, the bridge is smashed. You really fucked us up, man. <laughs> yeah. But Khan says time is a luxury you don't have. And this is where Kirk takes out his glasses and says, damn. And he, I don't know what he's doing, but he's punching like a bunch of random buttons on the control console. And Kirk comes, or excuse me, Spock comes over and he gives, uh, he gives Kirk the prefix code. Reliance prefix number is 16309. I can't understand. Learn. Why things work on a starship. Each ship has its own combination code to prevent an enemy from doing what we're attempting. Using our console to order Reliant to lower her shield. That, that's one thing that I always use in my real life is whenever I have to tell Jen or the kids how to do something, I say, you have to learn how things work. Yeah. <laughs> so it continues. Assuming he hasn't changed the combination, he's quite intelligent. 15 seconds, Admiral. 
You think Khan said, Khan, Alexa, said I don't timer. know you'll keep your word. Oh, I've given you no word to keep, Admiral. In my judgment, you simply have no alternative. I see your point. Stand by to receive our transmission. Soon, lock phasers on target and await my command. Phasers lock. Time's up. Here it comes. Now, Mr. Spock. Sir, our shields are dropping. Raise them. I can't. Where's the override? The override. Fire. I I just love the fact I had so much stuff that I had available to just drop in. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Clips. Yeah. But Kirk's like fire, and. Enterprise lights up the Reliant. Joachim is like, we must withdraw. And Khan's like, no. Uh, and I think Joachim again says, the Enterprise will wait. And they withdraw. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. But R- somebody says, you did it. Is it Savic? Savic, yeah. So, and he goes, I did nothing. But get caught with my britches down. Yes. Mr. Savic, which again, naval regulations, there's no misses. It's always Mr. Uh, you keep on quoting regulations. But now Scotty shows up instead of the sick bay, he decides to bring his nephew to the bridge. Yeah. And this is one of those things where it would make a hell of a lot more sense if we knew that it was his nephew. Yeah. Uh, but we we but, go to sick bay. But, but hold on a second. Hold yeah. on a second. This is where her Romulan side comes in because when he shows up, she goes, <gasps> which a true Vulcan would not show those emotions. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But now we're at sick bay. This is a, this is part regular clip. And then also deleted scene from the film. So. Is the word given, Admiral? The word is given. Warp speed. Hi. And Bones pulls a Mylar balloon over him. Why? He wants to kill me for passing sentence on him 15 years ago. And he doesn't care who stands between him and his vengeance. I'm sorry, Scotty. He stayed at his post. When the train needs a man. Admiral, this is Spock. Yes, Spock. Engine room reports auxiliary power restored. We can proceed at impulse power. Best speed to regular one, Kirk. Scotty, I have to ask. Is there any chance of getting the men's back on the line? I do not think so, sir, but you'll have my best. Thanks. I know you tried, Doctor. You all right? I don't know. Doctors lose patience sometimes. Damn it. I'm still in the dark. How did he know about Genesis? I don't know. 
what's important now is to prevent him from getting his hands on it. You said it yourself. It's a bang that could rearrange the universe. There still may be time. You gave as good as you got. We're alive only because I knew something about these ships that he didn't. So they were 12 hours out at warp five. So at impulse power, they'll get there two, three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the time on this film doesn't work very well because, yeah, they were 12 hours away and then they went and watched a five-minute video and then the Reliance attacked them. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you want to keep going forward or... You know what? All that that talk of battle and and leaking, (laughs) I got to take a whiz. Okay. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, we got nothing. Let's continue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy wrestling your hog? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jen's gone. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> How many times have you wrestled with it today? <laughs> Six? Seven? No. I'm 50. Yeah, so? Three. <laughs> it's a good day um but yeah so he comes back to the bridge he's got blood on his tunic because it's kind of like that's hard to explain like this little flap that come that comes down from his shoulder yeah but there's blood on it where uh scotty's nephew grabbed onto it and he's informed that they are running on auxiliary power basically they can do impulse and nothing else right yeah but they're still calling regular one still no response uh, Kirk says, okay, we're going, I'm going. McCoy says, I'm going to Savick then quotes regulation again, basically saying that no flag officer right. can go without an armed escort. Yeah. And that, that makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense that it would be somebody from the bridge crew. It would be, it would make more sense to have like a security officer. Like Worf. Yeah, exactly. Except there is no equivalent of Worf here. But no. there is a common thread here of Uhuru calling people and not people not answering. Yeah. <laughs> she is the wharf of this movie. Because <laughs> there's like a running joke about wharf always has suggestions and nobody ever takes them. Shut up, wharf. Yeah, more or less. But um, Bones says, uh, Jim, be careful. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Spock says, mm-hmm. Jim, be careful. And then Bones says, we will. <laughs> Right. They beam across, lots of tension. Um, they're in their, they're uh, their winter coats. They are in their winter coats, yes. And, and they're, they're searching around. Yeah, with, as they're walking I mean, around the space facility, I thought the font choice for the labeling was a little bit weird. I guess I didn't see that. Because, you know, they have different doors and different things labeled, and it's a very 70s feeling 70s future feeling, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, sure. It, Buck Rogers esque, which I suppose would be 80s, but mm-hmm. it, it's that past future font look. Okay. All right. But what does McCoy see? Uh, well, he sees a rat. Does why the loose. fuck? Why? Okay. Why would there be a rat on this thing? It's a science station. Uh, but still, it's. They're injecting it with uh, Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It just it that never made any sense to me. Why would there be a rat? It's a space station. 
you should be even if there is a rat that you know what well, first of all he he's a doctor a rat should be like yeah whatever <laughs> it's not right. a big deal jen at this point asked about phasers because i think one of them says something about phasers on stun and mm-hmm. she said well what are phasers i'm like well they're like pew pew <laughs> laser guns yes but they have different settings well, stun well what is there besides stun it's like well there's stun and then not stun <laughs> And well, you, you will see in about 10 minutes what one of the not stun settings looks like. Yeah, that's full power vaporization, which um, who's the Alfrey Wood, Woodward Woodard in first, first contact. contact. Yeah. Yes. It's like you had this at the highest setting. If you had shot me, you would have vaporized me. And she said, I'm a really, really it's good actress. First- Why am I in this fucking film? <laughs> and I like that. film. <laughs> she's like, she's like, well, it, you don't? No, I first do. Contact? No, I do like first contact. Oh, you do like? Yeah. Oh no, she says it's my first laser pistol. Yeah, but uh, bones yeah. backs into a body. <laughs> and mm-hmm. do you know what belaying right. is? No. Have you have you ever? Well, it's go- something to do with rock. It's, yeah, it's rock something with rock climbing. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of, they're belaying the bodies down. Yeah. Okay. So here's my next question. Why would they have all this heavy hemp rope on this space station? Isn't there like a lighter paracord, space paracord that they have in the 23rd century? Well, they, they use it. They smoke it. They smoke the hemp rope? Yeah. It's got sure. a high THC Cause that, content. Because that'll get you high. Right. Um, but uh, Savick. Uh, no, Bone says that rigor hasn't set in yet. So it has to have happened recently. Right. But Savick goes over to like this big box. And she's like, something's going on here. And as and this all is happening, Uhuru is just kind of in the background saying, hey, <laughs> will someone play, please pay attention to me? Somebody? Yes. Somebody? I'm barely in this movie. I have like three lines. Come on. But uh, yeah, Savik has found something and Kurt goes over to the container. And I love the way that he gets into the container. He just kind of looks oh, at it for a second and then just punches it <laughs> and breaks oh, the glass. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. And then Chekhov and the captain spill out of there. And... Chekhov explains the situation. He made us tell terrible lies. And they talk but we're about, okay. Yeah. But we're okay now. <laughs> <laughs> and Terrell looks like he's high this entire mm-hmm. time. And Kirk, you know, of course, it's Kirk. So he's concerned about his piece of ass. He's asking where yeah. Dr. Marcus is <laughs> and where are the Genesis materials and couldn't find him. And Terrell says he went wild. He yeah. slit their throats. Uh, he, but he had to get back to the ship to attack you. Well, to blow you to bits, yeah. <laughs> and Kirk asks oh, where the rest of Reliance crew is. What? I'm sorry, what? No, you blow you to bits. Yeah. I did, yeah, that's what. That's exactly what he says. Mm-hmm. But Kirk asks where the rest of Reliance crew is. And where are they? Well, they're marooned on SETI Alpha 5. They're marooned on SETI Alpha 5. And... They all go to the transporter room, and the console is still on. You'd think it would have a auto-off thing, like after... A shut-off? Yeah, 30 minutes. You would think it, so. It shut off on right. its own. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the coordinates that, these, that, that they got beamed to are inside of Regula. And, yeah, and as they're, they're talking about it, um, Kirk actually calls to Spock. Kirk Enterprise. Spock here. 
Captain Spock, damage report. Admiral, if we go by the book, like Lieutenant Savick, hours could seem like days. I read you, Captain. Let's have it. The situation is grave, Admiral. We won't have main power for six days. Auxiliary power has temporarily failed. Kirk Arcon is listening. may be possible in two days. By the book, Admiral. Meaning you can't even beam us back? Not at present. Captain Spock, if you don't hear from us within one hour, your orders are to restore what power you can. Take the Enterprise to the nearest starbase and alert Starfleet Command as soon as you're out of jamming range. Sir, we won't leave you behind. Couple Uhura, more words. If you don't hear from us, there won't be anybody behind. Kirka. Well, gentlemen, you can stay here or... It's all the same, Admiral. We'd like to share the risk. Right. Let's go. Savick? Go. Where are we going? Where they went. Suppose they went nowhere. Then this will be your big chance to get away from it all. Okay, th- this whole thing doesn't make sense. Because if they can beam from regular into the actual planet, they can mm-hmm. beam back to the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, What's your point? Well, they make a big deal about, uh, well, you can't even beam us back. Well, we could beam ourselves back. The other thing... Well, hold on a second. They, yeah. they know that Khan is listening. And the other thing is... Uh-oh. Sorry about that. Come bubble? Yeah, a little bit. It's not your first one tonight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been trying to hide them. Um, the, the fact that Spock really, really Gives drives the, home the, the whole... The, the, the shittiest code ever yeah. <laughs> that, my four, that a four-year-old could break. They they could have done that better. Yeah. They could have like alluded to it once rather than by the book. Minutes would seem like, you know, one of those multiple things they did, they could have done and that would have been enough. Or they could have said, you know, I'm going to quote regulations like Savick, General Order 37. Something, yeah. It was a little bit too much, a little bit too mm-hmm. on the nose. Right. But they materialize underground and the first thing they see is the Genesis torpedo. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in a shitty, like, gym locker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you know what it's in? It's in, like, if you were to go to Florida to go golfing, it would be, like... Oh, well, you put, what, you put your, golf, you put clubs your golf clubs in? Yes, okay. to go on the airplane, but taller. Yeah. Um, and then David strikes him, comes from behind, and he and Kirk fight. And Kirk is... Kirk, Kirk's kind of got, gotten him fucked up a little bit mm-hmm. and he's about to smash him and he goes where's dr marcus and he goes i'm dr marcus and then carol comes out jim and kirk goes is that david and then david says he killed everyone we left behind and she says in this very very weird affectation oh, of course he didn't yeah <laughs> and now uh Terrell shows his true colors and uh, Terrell and Chekhov have phasers on them. And Khan is wearing some kind of steampunk Radio Shack transmitter on his wrist. You're right. And somebody, I don't even know who, it, I think it's Jetta is his name, gets killed by a phaser. 
And Terrell says, you have the coordinates to beam up Genesis. And Khan has other things that are more important. First things first, kill Admiral Kirk. And Terrell is fighting it. I, I can't. I can't, sir. I would like to. I would like to obey, but I can't. And then he takes the communicator off of his wrist. Why does that evoke the worm to hurt him in this brain? Because it knows that he is doing against what he's being told by his brain uh, chemistry. I don't know about that. You think so? Yeah. I mean, what else would make it the the worm, the eel, make the brain susceptible to suggestion is it has to be able to read some kind of brain chemistry. Okay. All right. I mean, it is, it is Star Trek. It can be whatever it wants to be, right? Right. Right. But he turns him, his weapon on himself and vaporizes himself. And then uh, Chekhov has a headache and collapses. Yeah. And this shot is... Horrible? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. Because this ear, I think, was like three feet big. Yes, it was. And the little eel comes out of it, and then Kirk uh, fries it. Fries it. It's a pretty good shot with his he phaser. Is a pretty good shot. Yes. And then uh, Kirk grabs a radio and he calls Khan. Khan, bloodsucker! You're gonna have to do your own dirty work now. Do you hear me? Do you? Kirk. Kirk, you're still alive, my old friend. Still, old friend. You've managed to kill just about everyone else, but like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. Perhaps I no longer need to try. And they beam the Genesis torpedo up. Oh, shit. And David goes running for it. What happens if you run into a transporter beam as it's, like, energizing? Does it take all of you, or does it just take, like, your arms? I I, I don't know. I've never, I mean, usually it's like, okay, three to beam up, energize, and everybody's like, okay, stand very still. (laughs) (laughs) Don't move. Uh, but David, uh, they beam Genesis up and David runs for it. And then Kirk realizes, uh Oh, this is, this is not good. Khan, yeah. you've got Genesis, but you don't have me. You are going to kill me, Khan. You're going to have to come down here. You're going to have to come down here. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. As that whole thing is happening, Khan just goes, (laughs) Seriously, that's what his expression is. Sure, sure. 
But Savick is trying to raise the Enterprise. Chekhov is kind of coming Actually, that around. literally is what it says in my notes. <laughs> but continue. Yeah. Carol asks who Khan is. Kirk goes, it's a long story. And she's like, well, we've got plenty of time. Or I think it's David, David says, says that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kirk's like, hey, got anything to eat around here? <laughs> got a Snickers or something? Yeah. Yeah. And Carol says, we have enough food to last us a lifetime. And she sends David with Savick and McCoy to go get some food. Well, well, she says there's food in the Genesis cave, and they say, well, we thought this was Genesis. And they literally are in what looks like the channel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it, it took the Starfleet Corps of Engineers two years to hollow this out. Was it two years or was it two months? Whatever it was. But what we did in there, we did in a day. Yes. And David is kind of like, this is just to give us something to do. We can't just sit here and Kirk checks his watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, sure we can. Shuffle along, young man. But Ed, they leave and then Wait, Kirk no, no, says... This is important. Mm-hmm. Savik, Savik. Savik goes to Kirk and Kirk says to her, just like your mentor says, I'd like to think there are possibilities. And then they leave and it's just Kirk and Carol, Dr. Marcus, together. Right. And, and Kirk says, I stayed away. Just like you asked me to. And she says, I didn't want him chasing through the universe with you, but he is a lot like you. And Kirk's like, hmm, oh, okay. And, and then she wants to know how he's feeling or what are you feeling? Please tell me what you're feeling. There's a man out there I haven't seen in 15 years. He's trying to kill me. You show me your son, I'd be happy to help him. My son. My life that could have been. It wasn't. What am I feeling? And she sucks his cock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes, oh. yeah. Nope. His, his monologue there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times where I, I do feel old now. You know, whether it's like I'm sore when I get up or I'm tired or I'm unable to do things I used to be able to. There are things that make me feel old now that I didn't feel or experience five years ago. There was a picture of you and Jen sitting on like a concrete stoop. Yep. On Facebook. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, look, they're putting Matt in hospice. <laughs> you joke. <laughs> oh, just, just oh trust, me, trust me. I was at Kohl's tonight getting some cologne for my son who is turning 13 tomorrow. And that's what he wants. He wants cologne. Um, and I'm standing in line at checkout and they have these pillars that are, you know, mirrors on all four sides of these pillars. Sure. And I, and I look over and there I am in blue jeans and a quarter zip fleece and a baseball cap 
and some old man sketchers and a little <laughs> bit of a belly. And I go, fuck. What have I become? What you, I'm only what you made me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So back, back on Reliant. Back for, a, for a hot second, impulse power is restored. We are more than a match for the Enterprise. This, Back in this whole clip is maybe 10 seconds. <laughs> if that, if that. It's so, so quick. I know. Uh, you know, because uh, I'm typing and also I'm like, wait, that was it? <laughs> <laughs> but back on regular, they come out uh, and it's this, the cave. Um, Kirk has never seen a matte painting like this before. <laughs> yes, yes. He's in awe. My question is, okay, where's the water coming from? Okay, that's not what I had. Okay, where's the sunlight coming from? Okay, that was my question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We so, go back to space. And we see no, her. she goes, she goes, can I cook or, can I, or can't I? Yeah. Now yes. we're back in space and we see yes. Reliant in space and Enterprise is not by the space station. Right. Where and is she? That's, there you go. That's in my notes. And now I think you have a clip. Um. Yeah. They go back to the interior of the regular planet and Savick has a question for Kirk. Sir, may I ask you a question? What's on your mind, Lieutenant? The Kobayashi Maru, sir. And just so you know, I have this labeled as one of my favorite things of all time. <laughs> and Kirk is eating an apple. Yes. Are you asking me if we're playing out that scenario now? On the test, sir. Will you tell me what you did? I would really like to know. Lieutenant, you are looking at the only Starfleet cadet who ever beat the no-win scenario. How? I reprogrammed the simulation so it was possible to rescue the ship. What? He cheated. I changed the conditions of the test. Got a commendation for original thinking. I don't like to lose. Then you never faced that situation. Faced death. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. Kirk to Spock, it's two hours. Are you ready? Right on schedule, Admiral. Just give us your coordinates and we'll beam you aboard. All right. I don't like to lose. We were immobilized. Captain Spock said it would be two days. Doc, you of all people go by the book. Spock! You know Dr. Marcus? Why, of course. Hello, Mr. Spock. I'm taking this much sick bag. By the book? By the book. Regulation 46A. If transmissions are being monitored during battle... No uncoded messages on an open channel. You lied. I exaggerated. Hours instead of days. Now we have minutes instead of hours. I'm just smiling ear to ear mm -hmm. listening to that clip. Yeah, I got a little. I got the, the the hair in my arms raised. Um, so now it all ties in because in the J.J. Abrams reboot, Chris Pine during the Kobayashi Maru is sitting in the captain's chair eating an apple. Please don't try to <laughs> compare the, the two of them. <laughs> it's a little Easter egg. It's an it Easter is, egg in that movie. There are parts of that movie that I really like, like the the opening scene of the. Um, the Kelvin. Oh, with, with Thor? Yes. And with with him being born and... Which, of course, is completely anti-against what canon is. Yeah. 
because the 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 whole like Kelvin verse is supposed to split because of the red matter, mm-hmm. but that is before the red matter. So Kirk still should have been born in Iowa, right? Yeah, good point. Okay, fuck J.J. Abrams. But now we have a montage of Star Trek guys doing Star Trek stuff with like, like giant flashlights and ice cream makers and loading <laughs> torpedoes. Well, th- th- as they're walking away from the transporter room, uh, Spock says that the turbo lifts aren't working and they got to take the stairs. And the Enterprise is on one side of the planet regular and the Reliant is on the other based on like the tactical display. Mm-hmm. How come Reliant doesn't have that same information? Great question. Is maybe that, they're tied. I mean, did they maybe take it out with the the attack on the Reliant? I don't know. Maybe they are using the. Um, maybe they know how to use the regular one as like a satellite. Okay. And bouncing communications and vision and whatever off of that. Yeah, but I mean, you're right. There is definitely a, like a a bunch of shots of doing Starfleet things, doing Starfleet yep, things, yep. lots and lots of Starfleet stapling, things, stapling papers together. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep, yep, yeah. Um, and then Spock has an observation. She can still outrun us and outgun us, but there is the Motara Nebula at one five three Mark Four. Scotty, can we make it inside? The Energizers bypass like a Christmas tree, so don't give me too many bumps. No promises. On your way. Trouble with the nebula, sir, is all that static discharge and gas clouds our tactical display. Visual won't function, and shields will be useless. Sauce for the goose, Mr. Savick. The odds will be even. So before they said par for the course, now it's sauce for the goose. Mm-hmm. They're really Never. leaning into these cliches or free right. phrases. But you can hear the, the rousing music as mm-hmm. they're kind of preparing for this. Yeah. And they're loading yeah. torpedoes and Enterprise is going towards the nebula. And then Khan's ship, the Reliant, comes around Regula and they finally see the Enterprise. There she is. Um, okay. How long, what does is, what is the American Dental Association recommend how long you should brush your teeth for? Uh, it's two minutes. 30, 30, okay. 30, 30. Okay. So while I'm lying in bed watching my iPad and... My missus is in the bathroom getting ready for bed and she's brushing her teeth because that's usually the last thing that she does. This is what I say. Estimating nebula penetration in 2.2 minutes. (laughs) Okay. Um, In my notes, it says um, estimating penetration in 2.2 minutes. I often say that to Jen. (laughs) But as Khan and the Reliant have come around uh, Regular, it says, not as wounded as I was led to believe, so much the better. And Reliant is closing, and Joachim, or whatever his name is, says, if they go in there, we'll lose them. Mm-hmm. And Khan says, explain it to them. Yeah. And fires a photon torpedo. Kind of a warning shot. Like, don't go in there. Okay. It it misses. And then who comes on the bridge? Uh, is it David? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He should not be on the bridge right now. <laughs> no, he should not. And they are now one minute out from the nebula. And Khan wants to know why things are changing. Why are we slowing? Dan, follow them into the nebula, sir. Our shields would be useless. 
They are reducing speed. Uhura, patch me in. Aye, sir. You're on, Admiral. This is Admiral Kirk. We tried it once your way, Khan. Are you game for a rematch? Khan. I'm laughing at the superior intellect. Full impulse power. No, sir! You have Genesis! You can have whatever you... Full power! Daniel! The only thing Kirk didn't did was like flat out call Khan a cuck at that point. Yeah. You're a fucking cuck. He's Come baiting me, him bitch. big time. Oh, totally. Totally. They enter the nebula. Um, apparently in space, you can hear the sound of lightning in the, in the nebula. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there's this game of jockeying back and forth. And w- when the Reliant enters the nebula, when the Enterprise goes in, the same thing happens. The lights in the screen go out, and there's kind of like this jostling. Mm-hmm. When that happens, when the Reliant goes in, the guy behind Khan kind of bumps into him. Oh, does he? And Khan gives him this look like, I'm going to slit your throat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was wishing that guy was like just shown on the dead on the ground dead in the next shot. <laughs> sure. But they have no tactical, no shields. Yeah. And no phaser lock. Best guess. Joachim um, reduces speed, and Khan actually relents this time. And this is a a great cat and mouse sequence for the rest of the film, basically. Mm -hmm. And the Enterprise is circling up and around and comes in behind Reliant. And this is, as you said, no phaser lock. And Sulu misses. But not by much. He doesn't miss by much. Um, Khan launches aft torpedoes and misses big time. Yeah, not even close. Right. But how, so, do, how do they lose him them there? Is that just because the screen goes out? I'm not sure. I don't know. Can't they send somebody? It's like, hey, can you go look out the fucking window? <laughs> right. But a couple minutes later, and the whole thing is, I, this whole battle with, depending on how big this nebula is, this battle could go on for days mm-hmm. where nobody is running into each other. It's like the, the world's largest game of Marco Polo. What's a nebula? It's a, a, a confrontation of a nebula game. Yeah. Space cloud. Yeah. <laughs> More or less. I don't know. Okay. But Reliance scores with a big hit. Well, they end up going head to head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should have pulled then, a, I can't believe this. We're going head to head. Yeah. Holy shit. But yeah, um, Enterprise scores a bigger hit uh, and basically takes out the bridge. Yeah, and Khan uh, is picking up a fallen bulkhead. Yeah, and and, and, and throws it off Joachim. And down in engineering, Scotty, not doing so well. Yeah. He's got to take the mains offline. And then on Reliant, Joachim is dying, and Khan says this. Joachim. Yours is superior. I shall avenge you. And it's basically just Khan now, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's all it is. Uh, but Chekhov comes on board the mm-hmm. bridge of the Enterprise. Don't you think, you know, I appreciate the offer, but... Eh. You don't. I st- why did you I still this tr- one out? I still don't trust you yeah. that, that much. You kind of buddy fucked us a little bit. Right. 
Right. But, but Kirk and uh, Spock go over and they confer, and Kirk says, well, he's going to be back, but from where? And Spock talks about how Khan is... Intelligent, but inexperienced. inexperienced. He has two-dimensional thinking. Because you could see that they, on City Alpha 5, they played regular chess. Whereas in Star Wars and Starfleet and all the ships, they've got that three-dimensional chess. Sure. So that's kind of... Hold on. Sorry. Cough button. Um, And that's how you see it, is once they're in the cloud, the... Enterprise gets on top, comes from behind and gets on top of them. But yeah, Kirk says full stop, drop 10,000 meters. Mm-hmm. And stand by fo- photon torpedoes. It's a little bit getting ahead of yourself. A little bit. And once again, I said, th- there's no way they would find each other. This could go on for hours or days. And Khan is just kind of staring at the view screen. And the Enterprise is coming up behind the Reliant. And as I'm talking about this, I'm actually having my arms Mimicking the the action of the Enterprise coming up by the right. same exact I did the same exact thing and Chekhov is is basically ready for some payback mm-hmm. and it's it's a direct hit and then the phaser takes out one of the nacelles and then the a photon torpedo completely blows it off and now Khan is completely alone as a wounded Reliant is kind of limping off yeah and Uhura sends a message prepare to be boarded and just like all of her other messages. Completely gets ignored. Sure. But Khan is all kinds of fucked up. And he he kind of crawls over to the Genesis control panel. And he's talking about how the game's not over. And mentioned it before, mentioned it again. Love this control panel. How he does this kind of like turn, click, mm-hmm. turn. And I'm doing it with my hand. <laughs> of course you are. And we, we see on the uh, the pad of the transporter... The torpedo starts heating up. To the last, I will grapple with it. That's what uh, Khan is saying as he's doing this. And Spock says that they are now scanning a new energy source. And I guess it's it's beneficial that David is on the bridge. Yes, it is because he confirms that it's Genesis. Yeah, it's the Genesis wave. It's a buildup to mm. de- detonation. And I think it's Kirk says, well, we'll just beam over and stop it. You, you can't. can't. Yeah. Now, okay, let me ask you this. Couldn't you just beam it and then hold it in a holding pattern? You could You could hold it in the transporter buffer, yeah. Yeah. Well, for, well first but, of all, you know, it's, but, it's you a know very what? This, bad this, design. This okay. This, there's no off button. <laughs> there's no off button. And also, you know, this is Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. We haven't gotten into next generation transporter episodes where whole episodes revolve around the transporter. Yeah, true. So, yeah. But um, th- there apparently is like a built in countdown. And mm-hmm. Kirk says that we need, he, he calls on to Scotty and says, we need uh, warp speed in four minutes or we're all dead. Yeah, no answer. Spock does an eyebrow raise. And then, and then the next thing we see him is in engineering. Well, Kirk says to <clears throat> Sulu, get us out of here, best po- possible speed. And this is the thing I don't understand. You you see the Reliant in the foreground. Mm-hmm. And they back, back up. And they're backing Just keep up. Keep going straight. Yeah, go straight. Drive Just through keep going it. Going straight. Drive yeah. through it. <laughs> why, it's going to be why faster. Are you, why are you backing up, man? 
And yeah, Spock's on a mission. Spock gets down to engineering and Bone stops Spock from going into the warp. I'm called the warp core area. I don't know what the fuck it actually is. I think it is. But he goes, are you out of your damn mind? And, and yeah. Spock's Spock. like, you're right. Hey, you're right. Hey, what's wrong with these guys over here? And he gives them the Vulcan death grip. Yeah, he Jedi mind tricks bones and uh-huh. nerve pinches them. And then uh-huh. he goes over and he transfers his katra. Remember. Which actually, is this a good place for you? For? Um, I don't know. Seinfeld? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. But, but so, so Meyer, the director, was super pissed at this because he was under the impression that he would be directing Spock's death. And it was going to be final. And he threatened to walk off the film um, because of this. Because he knew. He's like, you're, you're setting this up for a sequel with Spock living. Well, it, it gave them an out because Leonard Nimoy refused to actually do this film unless mm-hmm. Spock died. Right. But it is, uh, well, Scotty wakes up to see Spock go into the chamber where the dilithium crystals are. And it is... Back on the bridge, it's 210 from Kirk's mark. And then Spock, back on in engineering, opens up the warp, warp core and exposes... Yeah, I think Scotty's like, Spock, get out of there. And I think, is it him or is it McCoy that says, good God, man, get out of there? I, I don't know, but as he opens up the, the core, he gets bukkakied by it. Yeah. Yeah, he takes off the plug. He's futzing with something in there. Yeah, he's, I'm not he's sure. mixing the crystals up. I don't know. And then yeah. back on the bridge, time, uh, three minutes and 30 seconds, and it, uh, distance is 4,000 kilometers. Yeah. Doesn't look like 4,000 kilometers. No, it does not. And I think it's Sulu says, we're not going to make it, are we? And Spock, or Kirk looks over at David, Dave, and David yeah. shakes his head no. And then yeah. we get... Um, kind of the same head shake when we were canoeing. And ear penis was in the front, and the egg was in the back. And you said, "Chris, are you okay?" And Chris, go, ear penis goes, "Yeah, I'm fine." And egg shakes, <laughs> closes his eyes, and just shakes his head no. And and yeah, and then we get uh, Khan's last words. No, no, you can't get away from hell's heart. I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. And that, of course, is from Moby Dick. Moby Dick, which <laughs> I had no idea. I would not have Moby known Dick. that except for this film. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Spock puts uh, the warp core back Cap. together. Yes. Sir, the mains are online. Go, sir. Go. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not that one. It's this one. <laughs> Sir, the mains are back online. Scotty. Go, Zulu! The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Mm-hmm. Playing that clip. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those, and that's why I played the other one, is it, it, it's, it's one of a very small number of things where j- just that small little thing gives me that that kind of feeling but uh warp speed enterprise yes. gets the, the fuck ship is out in of there. <laughs> you can see the shock waves from the genesis explosion doof, 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 doof. carol comes to see 
Where the fuck where was she? Was she like in the galley? Like, She's taking a shower. Face with donuts or something? <laughs> I guess so. Um, but Kirk calls the engine room. Good job, Scotty. And then I think it's, it's Bones. McCoy goes, Jim, I think you got... I think you got to get down here. Better get down here. Better he looks hurry. Over, he sees Spock's chair. Yeah, and it's empty. And Kirk runs the engineering. You have to remember the turbo lifts are closed or mm. not working. And I love the thing he does with the ladder, where he's going down, where he's like going down. And he's going to slides down. Yeah, he's he's going to open the the place where where Spock is, and he gets stopped. I don't have that by McCoy. Yeah. Yeah. He gets stopped by, you'll flood the whole compartment. I swear to God, I thought I had mm-hmm. something here for this. I, I've got in my notes here, it says, no, you'll flood the whole compartment as he. No, you'll flood the whole compartment. To die. Ah, he's dead already. All right. And this is the thing where Jen is like, he doesn't really die. He doesn't. I, I know he doesn't really die. <laughs> and then when he gets up, and he walks over and hold on a second. No, no, no. That's in the clip. Oh, it, it, I'm okay. Sorry. So that's your, yeah. your, your death clip. Yes. Spock. Now Spock stands up. He's got his back towards turned him and straightens his uniform before he walks over. And as he gets to the glass, he stumbles a little bit. Ship. Out of danger. Yes. sign on the glass which actually is a Jewish symbol is it yeah wasn't Leonard, Leonard Nimoy's Jewish yeah oh. I think so
and Kirk just kind of collapses mm-hmm. with his back against it. I, I, got, I got a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got, I got a little emotional here. Yeah, I got a little choked up there. But there's a couple questions I have. Mm-hmm. Spock is a captain. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't he have taken the Kobayashi Maru test? I don't know. Maybe. Um, second of, why does Spock have Madonna hands? What What do you mean? His hands look like Madonna's hands in the scene. Oh, do they? Yeah. Old. Okay. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> but we, we go to um, the next scene where they are doing a... Funeral? Funeral in space. Burial yes. in space. He was a fine man, a man of rare gifts. Kirk sounds weird. And great accomplishments. It's about data. He will be sorely missed. Does anyone else have anything to say? I believe I have a few words to say, sir. Just look at that face. The face of a thinker, a warrior, a man for all seasons. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human order. We are assembled here today to pay final respects to our honored dead. In whiplash here. And yet it should be noted that in the midst of our sorrow, this death takes place in the shadow of new life, the sunrise of a new world, a world that our beloved comrade gave his life to protect and nourish. He did not feel this sacrifice of vain or empty one, and we will not debate his profound wisdom at these proceedings. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Others? Of course, Scotty is playing the bagpipes. And that was actually his idea. That was James Doohan's idea. Yeah. There are very few times I've been in a theater where it's like pin drop silence. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. I mean, there's been other ones, obviously, but it was just kind of a holy shit yeah. type moment. And when I saw, when I went and watched this film again, two years ago or two two and a half years ago whenever it was whenever I was in the theater for the anniversary I loved seeing this in the theater again oh I bet it was awesome and you know this is now 40 years almost removed Mm -hmm. the fact that it has resonance um, is amazing but Savick was crying 
once again, mm-hmm. kind of showing that Romulan side. Mm-hmm. What about all the other people that died? Yeah, right. I what, know. What about Scotty's <clears throat> nephew? Yeah. It's like, okay, next, drop the next body into the tube. <laughs> yep. Next. Yeah. But the thing that absolutely 100% shocked me about this is as we're watching this, Jen is like, oh, the Genesis plan is just going to rejuvenate Spock, right? Oh, shut up. Shut up, Jen. <laughs> How the Take fuck did she come up with that? Well, because she's smart. Well, I mean, she married you, so not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> Lapses in judgment. Lapses in <laughs> yes. judgment. Right, right. But now we're in Kirk's cabin. He wants to read his book that Spock gave him, but his glasses are all busted. Yeah, and like me, it's impossible to read without glasses. Yep. And then, uh, oh, oh, so get this. When I was in Florida, I brought a pair of reading glasses and somehow a little plastic piece on the to prevent the. Uh, why can't I think of what's the part that comes off the glasses that sits on your ear? The arm? <laughs> yes. The little plastic piece that prevents the arm, that stops the arm, mm-hmm. broke off. So now that arm could pretty much go out as far as it wanted to. Okay. So every time I wore my glasses, they were crooked on my face. Looked like I just got punched in the face and my glasses were... <laughs> That's right. You're it an old sucked. man, Doug. It's all right. It sucked. It sucked so bad. I ended up... Finally, on the last day of the vacation, I said, I got to go to Walgreens and get a new pair of glasses, which I'm wearing right now. They're wonderful. But uh, David shows up and mm-hmm. David wants to talk. Can I talk to you for a minute? I poured myself a drink. Would you like it? Lieutenant Savick was right. You never have faced death. No, not like this. I haven't faced death. I've cheated death. tricked my way out of death and patted myself on the back for my ingenuity. I know nothing. You knew enough to tell Savick that how he faced death is at least as important as how he faced life. Just words. But good words. That's where ideas begin. Maybe you should listen to them. I was wrong about you. And I'm sorry. Is that what you came here to say? Mainly. And also that I'm proud. Very proud to be your son. They have a very awkward hug here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. embrace. Yeah. Kirk is so used to banging everyone. He doesn't know how to just hug. Right. <laughs> That's not in his wheelhouse. Yeah. But. Yeah. But now they're on the bridge and they are watching the sun rise over the Genesis planet. Yeah. Which I don't know how that worked because the Genesis in the video, <clears throat> we see the Genesis bomb impact the planet. Correct. Right in the in the tutorial, but there was no planet it's just, there. It just blew up in the nebula, 
It took all of the material from the nebula, collapsed it into a planet core. That's how I rationalized it. All right. Okay. Okay. But yeah, now they're on the bridge. They're watching the sunlight, sunrise come up over the Genesis planet. And this is kind of almost the last line of the movie. Captain's log, stardate 8141.6. Starship Enterprise departing for SETI Alpha 5 to pick up the crew of USS Reliant. All is well. And yet I can't help wondering about the friend I leave behind. There are always possibilities, Spock said. And if Genesis is indeed life from death, I must return to this place again. He's really not dead. As long as we remember him. It's a far, far better thing I do than I have ever done before. A far better resting place I go to than I've ever known. Is that a poem? Mm. Something Spark was trying to tell me. My birthday. You okay, Joe? How do you feel? under rocks put his star trek insignia on top of it and beam uh-huh. off <clears throat> yes and Get- now now we need the seinfeld clip <laughs> okay them her death takes place in the shadow of new life she's not really dead if we find a way to remember her what is that star trek 2 replica <laughs> hey kramer and i saw it last night spock dies they wrap him up in a towel and they shoot him out the bowels of the ship in that big sunglasses case <laughs> it's a hell of a thing when spock died yeah. <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be uh, Kramer's thing about how Star Trek Three is actually the better oh, of the two. Yes, he would be wrong. It's after watching Star Trek Three, it's good. It's but good. Not as good as not as good as two. Yeah. No. It, it's it is it is very good. I I, mm-hmm. I I would probably put that as my number two. Oh, really? <laughs> Star Trek film? Yeah. Oh no, I go two, four, three, six. Two, three, and, four, six. All right. Okay. And then, so now we we come across the planet, and this was this was the last minute ad of the giant sunglasses case in Golden Gate Park. Yes. But we have the you know the famous opening from Star Trek: The Original Series and Next Generation, but it's narrated by Spock. Space. It's big. It's dark. It's spooky. These are the voyages of the Starship Intercourse, her crew's five-minute mission to spread the seed of humanity to any hot-looking babe in a spacesuit and to boldly come where no man has come before. I've seen that film. <laughs> when, 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 when Spock comes, it's all green. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's like it's like they, they don't show it coming out of his cock. It's like if you were to go to the grocery store and buy a tube of green frosting so you could write happy birthday mom on her birthday cake. Right. That's what it looks like. They talk about ejaculating my name on a birthday cake. <laughs> I, I I totally forgot. Um, th- The guy that played uh, Johnny, Johnny Glitter last week. All right. In Avenging Angel. He's on um, Cameo. Oh, is he? And so Cameo has the ability. You can actually like, you know, request a thing. And his Cameo is 75 bucks. I'm like, yeah, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Not doing slow that. Down. And yeah, I thought it was down. like, I could send him a message, like just uh, like a I am. And maybe he'd respond to it. But even the $3 was a little bit too much for that. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, um, okay. So. The film's over. Uh-huh. Your show, go ahead. All right. It checked all the boxes. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, it was just, it's, it's like, it's fucking Wrath of Khan. It's awesome. Yeah, are there flaws? Of course. There are flaws in every movie, but it's great. I love it. I could watch it again tomorrow and enjoy it just as much. Okay. I have to admit, I was a little disappointed. I did oh, not, shut I did up. not care for it very much. Oh, shut up. So, Shut up. I was smiling the entire time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talked about how um, Return of the Jedi was a slog from a note-taking perspective. Mm-hmm. Even with the note-taking perspective and just digging through the clips for this film, every time I'm doing anything with this, I'm thinking, God damn, this is a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I was I was shocked at how much I liked. It. I I just watched this, mm-hmm. but it it, it I, yes, there are flaws. There are like things you can nitpick, whatever. But God damn it, I love this film. Yeah, it was great. And was I awesome. I I have no qualms about that at all. So. Uh, this may sound silly to you, but kids go completely ape if you do three things in a picture: defy authority. Destroy property and take people's clothes off. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, it's missing that third thing. So uh, the last thing we have is... And now it's time for Jen's two-second movie review. It was good. That was Jen's two-second movie review. Jen! I wonder how much of that is her placating me because she's afraid to say that she didn't like it (laughs) because she knows how much this film means to me. And then I, and then you just berate her like I berate, berated you for not liking Operation Petticoat. And you know how often are on a podcast are you going to have back to back? You know, top ten films. You oh, have sure. Avenging yeah. Angel and Star Trek Two together. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two of the all time classic sequels. <laughs> it's 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 un, uncanny or unbelievable uncanny. Or, or uncanny something so. All right. Oh. Watch your watch Watch your watching. All right. Uh, let's see. On the on the plane ride to Florida, I watched Escape from Kabul, which is an HBO documentary about um, the American withdrawal over the course of several weeks um, from Afghanistan, and it's heartbreaking and mind numbing at the same time that. Just the decisions, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, of 
ex-military members and across the board, they say, I can't believe that the, 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 the leaders and, and the people that were in charge said, yes, let's put all of our resources in Kabul and pull out of there instead of Kandahar. It just didn't make any sense, but still worth a good watch. Um, in Florida, I watched Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Okay. Awesome. Even though there are some horrible moments and things that just don't make sense at all, but still really good. Where, um, where's watch- that for you? Is that is that two, three, or four? That's two. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I watched the new Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, a total bastardized version of the source material because it, it basically it was it was basic world it was good but it was world war 1 movie with names of characters from the novel and a few things sprinkled in but so much were changed cuz you you I know for a fact that you read that book we that was that was required yeah. reading when we were sophomores in high school um and I've seen the 1930s version, and I've seen the 1979 television version with um, um, Richard Burton. No, Gear. No, Marquand. <laughs> he was John Boy on on the Waltons. Keel. <laughs> Richard Keel. What? What's Jaws's real name? Jaws's real name? Yeah, Frank the Shark. No, no, from the Bond series. Oh, I have no idea. It's not Richard Harris. Richard Thomas. Richard Thomas and Ernest Borgnine. And um, I've seen that. I saw that when that first came out on TV in 1979. It is Richard like, Keel. Is it? Okay. Yeah. That was that was like a, a television event. Um, And both of those movies, the 1979 version holds more true to the novel than the 1930 version. This was just, this was just. Let's just show the graphicness of war, which was cool. I mean, who doesn't like watching that? But it, it was it it was like super artistic and just it didn't follow the novel. I'm like, why are you doing this to this amazing novel? Why? Why are you doing it? So after that, of course, then I had to watch the 1979 version with Ernest Borgnine and Richard Thomas, and that was just phenomenal. Thinking that that was a made-for-television movie, it's so good. I had to watch it on YouTube with ads, which the ads were like 30 seconds every 25 minutes. Not That's not bad. Deal. No. Um, I watched Tales of the Jedi, which was... I recommended that to you. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. The first episode was, was... I was like, eh, but uh-huh. I stuck with it. And holy uh-huh. shit, with the second episode, totally yeah. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And it was great the way that it wrapped up as well. Um, Andor. Are you caught up on Andor? Yes. The last line of that movie, or that of, of the last episode, how many guards are in each level? Twelve. I mean, I mean, or there are twelve guards in each. Le- I mean, it was just, it was great. It's, I just, I can't wait for the next episode. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm really enjoying it. I like it. Okay. Um, and then I started. I'm on. I just finished the third episode of Titans, the first season on HBO. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yes, yeah, total grim dark, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Okay, have you, you ever seen um, Johnny Got His Gun? Uh, I only know about it because of the Metallica 1 video, but I've never seen the movie. It's a fucking awesome film. You should watch is it. Is it? 
Jason Robards, right? Yeah. I have not okay. watched it, but in a in a while, but you would enjoy it. Um okay. just based on what you just said. Um okay, so for me, I watched The Search for Spock because mm-hmm. I kind of had to as a companion piece to That's well, that's also it's I told my sister, I you know, my sister and I always compare notes as to what we're watching these days. And I told her what I watched, and she's like, the original? And I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> With, like, I just watched Wrath of Khan. The original? Yes. Well, one I mean, the one wanna, Star Trek is kind of... Yeah, okay, yeah. But I'm like, now I'm obligated to watch three and four. Okay, I, 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 I'm up to date on The Vow on HBO right. Max, which is about Nexium, once again, the thing mm-hmm. that made me want to start a cult. Mm-hmm. You're a parent. Um, let, let's say your parent, your parent, your kid mm-hmm. had Tourette's mm-hmm. and, you know, Tourette's is, can be you yelling out shit, like fuck shit, cunt, whatever, mm-hmm. or it can be, you know, muscular tics. Mm-hmm. If you had the ability to put your kid in a program that would fix their Tourette's, would you do it? Uh, depends on the consequences and t- depends on what the, the program is. And this is, this is the kind of the beauty of this series is a lot of the shit they did was fucking beyond the pale evil. But there's also stuff like there are people that were unable to function in sure. day-to-day life that sure. they cured their Tourette's, which nobody ha- else has been able to do. So there are things that this group did that are so beneficial to people. But then there's also things that this group did that are so fucking awful to people where it, it, it's tough to decide, you know? Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the fact that they're actually showing the fact that they did help people in addition to, you know, branding people and fucking them, whatever, make them send them like selfies of porn, but whatever. Uh, Avenue five. I don't know if you're familiar with that series at all. Yeah. It's terrible. It's fucking awful. I don't know why you watch the second season. I have no idea. It's, it's so not good. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why you waste your time, man. Uh, American Gigolo finished that. Great series ended with a wet fart. Uh, um, and the, the next bunch is all tied together. I watched this documentary called The Sounds of Bond. Okay. Which is all about the music of the Bond series. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Then I watched uh, No Time to Die, mm-hmm. Casino Royale, mm-hmm. Spy Who Love Me, mm-hmm. Octopussy, mm-hmm. Man with the Golden Gun. Mm-hmm. Some Bond movies are really, really good. And some are fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, watched the first several episodes of The Watcher. Oh, that's with... Um, Naomi or... Watts. Yeah. And Her Bobby, pointy nipples, yeah. Bobby Cannavale or something like that. Yeah, the guy looks like a mobster. Yeah. Yeah. And? It's creepy. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Night Sky. I've, I've, got, I've got it on my list. It's worth watching. Uh-huh. It has a tie to real world, which is very weird. Okay. I, we're four or five episodes in. I have no fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Watcher, 
talked about that. Night Sky, um, Survivor, Tales of Jedi, we talked about already. Andor. With, with Andor, for me, I, I think that it is becoming a good show, but I don't... You have a, you have a text message. Um, it's not, You do, don't you? Or did you fart? That was a fart. Okay. <laughs> but it's not a good Star Wars series. Okay. I You know, it's a good show, but I mean, I don't know. I just, I like it. I really, really, really like it. Because it, it's, it, it, you're seeing a part of Star Wars that you normally don't see. Well, it, it can, there's very few changes you'd have to make, and that series could exist completely outside of the Star Wars universe. Okay, sure. Yeah. But the acting is great. The direction is great. It's, I, it's, the tension has kind of ramped up, mm-hmm. but it is, it's so much a slow burn. Yeah. And that's fine. We're, we're I think, nine episodes, no, eight episodes in, right? No, this was episode nine. Okay, so the next, the last series, 10, 11, and 12, mm-hmm. is the last, like, trilogy of episodes, if you will. Yeah. See where it goes. I mean, they're mm-hmm. doing two seasons of it, so they have a lot to cover in three episodes. And yeah, at the pace sure they're do. going, I don't know. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get surprised and they'll be like hour and 20-minute episodes. Okay. Because I, I, I really feel like the prison break, which you know is coming, yeah, should have an entire episode dedicated to it. And Andy Circus is interesting because he is not what you'd call a traditional Hollywood actor. Right. Because he is, uh, who who's the guy that, he was in uh, Happy Gilmore, he was in The Sopranos. He was in um, a couple Tarantino films. Weird looking motherfucker. Buscemi? Yeah, Steve Buscemi? Buscemi, yeah. Yeah, Buscemi. Yeah, and Circus is kind of like that. He is not your traditional leading actor. Yeah, but he's a great actor. He's ah, not leading. He, he's, he's a scenery chewer. I don't know if I'd call him a great actor. He is, he's a presence, but I, I wouldn't say he's a great actor. He is, he grabs your attention, but yeah. I don't know if he actually is a great actor. He for sure is going to die. Oh yeah, uh, I, I saw some. So I saw this video on YouTube of some somebody. Several people had posted somewhere that, oh my gosh, we're watching the birth of Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. Bad he, Star Wars take. He was bad, born in- bad, bad Star Wars take. Bad Star Wars take. Okay. Howdy, partners. Oh. Now it's time for Listener Reaction Roundup. Yeehaw! Hold on a second. <sighs> got to blow, blow the dust, dust off? off. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's short and sweet. Matt, it is authorized. Love, Ricky. <laughs> uh, do I have a fuck you button here? <laughs> yeah. I actually have a, a little bit for this, so... I have, uh, I am, I'm for, for good or for bad. I am proud of the fact we do the, this podcast. Okay. I am proud of what we have accomplished of the amount of material we have put together over the last couple of years. We're dedicated. You can say that we're, it may not be good, but we, we definitely dedicated. So I have, um, I have this coffee mug I've had for probably almost two years at this point, which is one of our season logos. And that is my coffee mug for work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I use it to drink my coffee. And I was in this meeting 
actually, it wasn't even a meeting. I was going to fill up my coffee. And one of the guys that I work with is, he's like looking at my mug and he sees my picture on it and I'm kind of like turning it so he doesn't see it. (laughs) And he said, you always have these like things that you made because I have this thing of Jen that I did in like multiple pieces of wood that are painted at my desk. Mm -hmm. You're very creative. I'm like, "Eh, no, I'm really not. He's like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's nothing. He's like, do you have a podcast? I'm like, "Eh, no, not really. (laughs) And then later I'm at my desk and there's this girl who just started working there a couple weeks ago. And she said, you have a podcast, don't you? I'm like, uh, that's the rumor, but I, w- I wouldn't buy into that at all. <laughs> and she said, well, I am looking for people in- locally because we need people to like join our um, Emmy and Oscar like voting committee. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm like, what? She's like, can I have the name of your podcast? I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so there's a guy that works for me, though, that... As we're walking out together one day, he's like, I, I got to know, what is the name of your podcast? And honestly, if you want to know my podcast, it's not that, it wouldn't be that hard to find. Google my name and podcast, mm-hmm. you will find it. So I told him the name of it and he said, well, and actually step back a second. As we were talking about it around the desk, there's like four of us. It's like, well, what is it about? It's like, it's about 80s movies. And this girl that I was asking about it, she's like, well, I wasn't even born in the 80s. I'm like, yeah, it's not your thing. No, I mean- it's not that you, you shouldn't listen to it, but please, please don't listen to it. <laughs> and as I'm walking out with this guy, who, and this guy's been working with me for a year and a half, and he's he's my boy. I mean, we get along. We get along really well. And when I'm gone, he fills in for me. When he's gone, I fill in for him. He, he's somebody that really helps me be successful at my job. Okay. And he said, so what? what's the name of it? And I give him the name, and he's got his phone on. He, he looks it up. And he said, well, how, how long are most of your podcasts? I'm like, my average is probably about like 245. <laughs> He's like, God damn. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Uh-huh. And he said, okay, so what should I start with? What, what podcast should I start with? And I'm looking through like recent ones. I'm just kind of scrolling through. I'm like, okay, the probably the most recent one that would really kind of hit home for you, listen to American Pie. Because American Pie is a little bit more recent and it kind of is, will hit home a little bit. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to listen to it on the way home. And the next day he says, your humor is, is totally up my alley. Um, I'm going to like pick and choose different things that I listen to. And I said, just so you know, there's things you're not going to get um, because 120, 130, whatever we are in, we have so many inside jokes now at this point that people just will not understand this, that, or the other thing. And I said, the other thing you need to understand is I do not have any kind of misconception that I actually can sing. (laughs) This is something that my podcast partner has kind of like just kind of dumped on me that I have to do. So it is, uh, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So you ready for next week's movie? Sure. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it Three degrees to next week's movie And I think I like it Okay, so I was looking for a hard one And I couldn't find a hard one So all I could find was an easy one for this film In this week's movie George Takai plays Sulu 
1998's Mulan, he plays First Ancestor. Pat Morita plays the Emperor in that film. God, we're doing Karate Kid 2, aren't we? Pat Morita plays Mr. Miyagi <laughs> in next week's 1989, or I'm sorry, 1986 sequel. All right. I saw this in the theater, and I think it's the only time I've seen it. Karate Kid 2. Hey, I'm a man who will fight for your yeah. honor. <laughs> yes. All right. Karate Kid 2, huh? It's no Hawk. angel. Avenging angel. No, it's not. It's it's way better than that. Yeah. I, I See, so. I would have thought you would have been happy with this one. I, I remember not caring for it when I saw it in the theater because I liked the first Karate Kid so much. And this one was meh. So it's okay. It's okay, Matt. It's okay. It's okay to cry. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. I know. I know. I yeah, know. Matt Damon is going to cry in my arms. Uh-huh. I know. I know. It's not your fault. I know. I know. Okay, go ahead and... Oh, oh It's not as long as I thought it was going to be. What, really? We're, we're three and a half hours plus, man. Yeah. Actually, no. Well, three and a half hours? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Wrath of Khan, loved it. Watch it. It's on HBO. If you uh, want a companion, you should watch the movie first. But that's okay. If you've made it this far and go, boy, I really need to see Wrath of Khan, HBO Max. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, reach out to the show, Rewind at yahoo.com. Send us a, an email like Ricky did or like us and, 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 sorry, had to reset the button there. Send a message on Facebook. So I got to pee really, really bad. Okay, so, that's fine. No, that's okay. My my brain is like really distracted by the fact that I have to pee. Um, rate and review is where you get your, your podcast. It helps with the algorithm, helps find people like you find two fucking idiots like us. Join us next week, Karate Kid 2. I am a man who will fight for your honor. It's Peter Satara, not Chicago. Satara. 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 <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. Fuck off. Okay, bye. <laughs>